will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bed. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Hello and welcome to episode 386 of Ferg on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Going pretty well, Andrew. How are you? Not too bad. I like our preparation today. We've been chatting for almost three minutes before we hit the record button. We record all the gold, that's why. That's right. We're not wasting anything. We just said hello to each other and just went, fucking record before we burn anything. You know, we could end up, you know how pretty much every, like, duo in radio, you find out after a while they fucking hate one another? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we should do that one day, hey, where we just, like, <laughs> like it's just all fake when we record the podcast. But outside of that, it's just pure hatred. <laughs> That's a great idea. Problem is we like all the same shit. Yeah, know? that's a problem. And we'd have to fake the hate and stuff. One of us will have to become an extremist. Yeah, well, you've got your daylight saving extremism. Yeah, well, I, tr- I tried pushing that one, but no one really got on board with it. I've got have to my, find something else. I've got my anti-environmental cause where I believe we should destroy the environment. As yeah, we, that, that know. only upsets like primary school kids. Yeah, true. Once you once you develop an IQ, once you've got a brain in your head, you realise planet Earth is trying to kill you 100% of the time. That's why there's other animals here. Exactly. <laughs> Anywho, um, it's been a quiet week in the footy world. Um, I, I don't want to get anyone uh, disappointed, but um, we might be touching base with a, a common topic later on in this episode. It was making me angry. We've got a few news items to get through first. Though. Let's do that. Let's do that. Okay, well, uh, Richard Agar has stepped down as the Leeds Rhinos head coach, effective immediately. Uh, why? Because they have started the season with one win and five losses. And that's unacceptable for a, an important team like the Leeds Rhinos. Okay, so, is, so he, is he jumping before they get... I mean, you don't want to be the last Super League coach of Leeds before they get relegated. Because when was the last time, though? Have they ever been outside of the top division? I don't, that's a question. I don't think they have. But I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure they have either. He, he, it's important to know he stood down himself. He wasn't sacked. Um, the standing down was described as, you know, on, uh, in the movie 300, when King Leonidas Sparta kicked the emissaries into the bottom of the well. Oh, yes, yes. This is Sparta. Yeah, yeah. It, he was stood down in that regard. You know, it was all of his own volition. So, He's been replaced in the interim by Jamie Jones Buchanan. Oh, and, yes. And the thing I think about Leeds, okay, and I've said this on Twitter just now, they don't like real coaches. You know what they like? They like somebody comes in and says, ooh, Leeds, very special club, very big club, very special. Everyone that is here is wonderful. Everyone's doing a great job. And then they outspend 95% of the rest of the competition and they get some sort of results. Richard Agar won a, a Challenge Cup with Leeds. You know, you, if you're at one of the top three clubs in Super League, you're going to win something eventually. 
So Leeds just doesn't like a real coach. What they want is somebody to come in. They want a sycophant and somebody to make them feel better about themselves. They don't want somebody that's going to come in and say your junior development needs fixed. A bunch of these football directors and rugby directors and, you know, assistant coaches you've got, they're fucking useless. They need to go and we need to restructure the club completely. They don't want someone like that. They want somebody that comes in and says, mate, it's good to join us all. So I think they'll just get some fucking name. They'll get someone in that'll say all the right things. They won't get a coach. I'll get a former player. That's easy. Just get yeah. a former player. Because you don't need someone experienced. You get a former player. They've already been paid well. Yep. You can just give them any old income. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just looking at their, their run so far this year. They've had a pretty tough run, though, to start the season. I mean, they lost to Warrington by two points. That is doable for any club. Warrington's not exactly complete trash. They can win more games than they lose. Unless it's an important one. That's right, but this is round one, so it's the, it's as far away from important as possible. So Warrington is always going to be a good chance. That's true. Um, they lost 34-12 to 12 against Wigan, mm-hmm. at Wigan. Mm-hmm. Anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. They lost 10-4 to Catalan. Mm-hmm. And Catalan made the bloody grand final, and they only lost by a converted try. That's, there's nothing disrespectful or disappointing about that. Yes. They smacked Wakefield Trinity 34-18. Everyone does that. They lost to, you know, possibly one of the strongest teams in the comp, Hull FC, 31-8. Yeah. Um, but the only one that hurt, and this is probably the one that did it, is uh, last Friday they lost to Salford 26-12. Well, the thing I think about Leeds, and I would say this about any of the, the three highest spending clubs in Super League, because they've got a salary cap, but we all know it's bullshit. Yeah, it's a it's a notional thing. Yeah, yeah. I would say this. It's like, it's like Santa Claus. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, it's like the the fucking Easter bunny. Like yeah. has anyone seen him? You know? No. Going around shitting out chocolate. Exactly. Uh any of those top three sides that struggle, fuck 'em. Fuck 'em. I got no it, sympathy. It would be interesting to see what would happen and whether they'd change like Super League or the RFL, if they would change anything about the competition, if either of St. Helens, Wigan or Leeds got relegated. 100% they would. 100%. They would expand the competition immediately. They'd be like, you know what? We're going to expand the competition. So 14 teams. Oh, look, Leeds automatically qualifies. Yeah, we're just not going to let Leeds go down. And we're going to bring in, we we decided we wanted to bring in fucking Batley. You know? Well, well Featherstone, I think they're That's the top team. Whoever. It wouldn't matter, whoever, some local town club, you know. Yeah, I'm also having a look here on the uh, the ladder. Yeah. I'm only looking at the ladder before last week's games. Oh, you should look at it after last week's games because it's oh, okay. Is interesting. You see, oh, if, if you look, I was, at... well, I was looking at it after round five. It looked very interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's have a look at the top five, shall we? Okay. Uh, first place. St. Helens. Yes. Second, Catalan. Yes. The top two teams last season, the top two here. Third place, Wigan. Mm-hmm. Fourth place, have a guess. <laughs> I know, because I've got the ladder here in front of me. Okay. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's fucking Huddersfield. Yeah. And uh, i just like to say, too, Huddersfield with the second best attack and the second best defence. Oh, no, mm-hmm. third best defence. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Hull FC, fifth. Warrington 6th, Salford 7th, Wakefield 8th, and then you just forget the rest. Yeah, who cares about the rest? 
one interesting point to note is that this week um, St Helens were forced to leave their their comfort zone up there in northern England. They were forced to travel all the way to Toulouse. Oh, that would have been uh, miserable because the fans wouldn't have been able to go. Yeah, it's all about away fans. But, you know, it's a lowly place to lose. You know, it's, they're a wonderful club, St Helens. They're not afraid of anyone. They lost. They, they lost. They lost. They were beaten. They lost 22 to 20. Can and you... it was, furthermore, it was the first Super League win by Toulouse. Yep. Now, can you imagine? At another, conservatively, 25 hours worth of travel time on top of that. Okay. Then you factor in the heat. Because I know it's our autumn, but, you know, it's still 15 degrees hotter here. And then put them in against the Penrith Panthers. It's good that it didn't happen. It's good for the English game that it didn't happen. It was a good thing overall that St Helens were too terrified to make any movement at all to come over like, as we saw, all those other teams. I mean, I listed them off a few weeks ago. Yeah. we. It's good that St Helens didn't do it because I think it would have been a bad thing for them, for their marketing and for the marketing of Super League. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. They've done the right thing by everybody, essentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, we should really be thankful to them. Yeah. They, Give they, praise. This has paid off. Give praise to, to St. Helens, the patron saints of rugby league. Yep. Small town team. Not quite. Yeah. Um, other news. Other, other news. news. Uh, this is a rough one. And I'm reading this from uh, a News Limited publication. Okay, NRL hang on. Player... Sorry. <laughs> All right. Hang on. I'm just saying that so that everybody knows these aren't. I've, I've got to start paying attention because you'll, you'll say one thing of what's written down there, but obviously needs to be deciphered. NRL player George Burgess has been charged with sexually touching a person without consent. Oh, for fuck's sake. Over an alleged incident in Sydney earlier this month, the St. George Illawarra player is due in court on April the 18th, and it says, Early this month, officers from South Sydney Police Area Command commenced an investigation following reports a woman has been sexually touched by a man known to her on Tuesday the 8th of March, the force said in a statement on Monday night. Following inquiries, a 29-year-old man was arrested at Mascot, Mascot Police Station at about 4.40 p.m. today. He was charged with sexually touching another person without consent and granted conditional bail to appear at Downing Centre local court on Wednesday, April 13th. Now, this has to go to court. All we can really talk about is that he has been charged with this. But, you know, uh, I mean... Uh, my guess is he will be stood down by the integrity unit um, under the no-fault stand-down system. And on, we'll on, does, to... the, does the no-fault stand-down system mean that you get stood down based on what the potential jail time of the crime is if you're found guilty? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it like over 10 years? Oh, you know what? You're right. It... So he may not get stood down. Yeah, you're right, actually. I feel like it might be something like eight years. Yeah, so I don't think the NRL will stand him down, but if the Dragons have got anything left in their system, 
after the shit they've allowed their players do over the last year and a half. They'll say, what you need to do for your, for your benefit mm-hmm. and for the clubs as well, and we're not making any allegations whether you did it or not, but we're not going to let you play until you've sorted this out. Yeah. And they should just label it that way. You've got a legal matter. Go deal with it. Yeah. Because if you've got that hanging over your head, guilty or innocent, while you're playing football, people are going to start attaching. They're, they're automatically, because it's a rugby league player, even as just an athlete, they're automatically going to assume guilt, whether it's there or not. I know I'm not saying it's there or not. I don't know. But they're going to assume guilt more than weight. And given the amount of off-field crap that's gone on at the Dragons over the last few years, they're going to jump to guilty much quicker. Mm-hmm. And it's going to reflect badly on the club, and that club needs to really start fixing up its own image. And uh, yeah, they, I think they, for the club's benefit more than anybody else, they probably need to just say to George, "We're not going to have you playing any footy until you've got this resolved." Yeah, and I would ask him to just, you know, not turn up to games and that sort of stuff as well. Yes, yeah, so to, to training and that. But can you imagine they've? They've signed him in the off-season coming off of almost hip replacement surgery. Yeah. It's the step down from that. They've given him a chance to get his career back on track, and, and then this has happened. Um, it's Look, just not It still good. baffles me that um, stories like this still turn up. But they've, had, they've done all the education. People want to sit there. They'll, you know, there'll be people out there that will blame the NRL on there's not much the NRL can do anymore after the every player goes through this whole education thing, and they shouldn't have to. If they've got half a brain and a semi-functioning body moral code, they know that what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. But they're given this additional education to be certain of it, and still we get stories like this turn up. Um, it's, it's fucking irritating. And I'm saying that in the mildest term because if – if what he has done turns out to be true and he actually did what he did, then that's unforgivable. Yeah. He deserves uh, the book thrown at him. But, you know, we've got to wait until this has been heard, obviously, at the courts. But uh, I'm sick of players being stupid like this and thinking they're above the law. Yeah, and, uh, like, I always like to wait until the courts have dealt with these matters. Wow, well, yeah, you've so, got to. Yeah, yeah, you just, like... They they're the ones that get as much of the evidence as anyone can possibly have, and you know I I think well they don't have Twitter opinions, but they've got they've got all the facts. Other than that, yeah yeah that's true. <laughs> so anyway, um oh jeez other news much better news yeah uh Penrith are looking to secure Nathan Cleary to a long term contract. It was signed as a, it was written up as a they're going to sign Nathan Cleary to a lifetime contract which, of course, means till he's 30, you know. So they're looking to sign him until he's 30 for about $1.1 to $1.3 million a year, it's been reported. Um, They're signing him and his dad to a contract extension, obviously signing him to that sort of contract extension, no-brainer, you just sign it straight away. If he says yes to it, you sign that immediately if you're in a club. I'd sign sign Nathan straight away on that. Mm Mm-hmm. He hasn't about putting the, putting dad on the same deal. 
Well, his dad would be on a different deal, obviously. And deal. So long as he's on a deal where he's probably getting a bag of chips at the end. Well, his dad is looking to maybe coach only for a few more years. Um, apparently, his idea was that when he won a premiership, that he wouldn't coach for too much longer than that. And he said that he would like to coach for a few more years still. I think that he probably sees an opportunity with this team. I mean, there's no coach in the entire history of the game that would walk away from the position he's in right now. Um, and it's a good situation. It's a team that likes one another. You know, that he's getting the job done. So I, I think, you know, there are plenty of clubs that would love to be in the situation that Penrith have right, right now with Ivan Cleary and to get Nathan Cleary as well on a long-term deal like that. And I think by the time he's 30, that would be a bit of a bargain at the deal, although I would suggest that there are probably going to be kickers in that contract, that if he ends up being a stable in the origin team and in the test team and all sorts of stuff, extra premierships and things like that, that figure will probably go higher and higher, as well as when the salary cap goes up and stuff like that. So, But it's a good move for the Panthers and... Look, if you're Nathan Cleary, once again, it's kind of a similar situation to his dad where, why would you leave? You know, it's the best club in the game at the moment. It's a young club. He's playing with a lot of friends of his that he grew up with. You know, there's always new talent coming into the team and his dad's coaching him. Like, there's not a better situation out there for him. So, um, that's good news anyway for the Panthers. Yeah, it does sound a bit like... um... Ivan's kind of now riding on the coattails of his son. So I've got you going, good boy. You're you're on a good fucking deal now. Um, commission. Yeah, it makes you wonder if you <laughs> if you're Ivan Cleary, right, and you get to a point where you're like, I did my job here at Penrith. Whether that's they win other premierships or they don't, you know, they're not going to be premiers forever. Eventually, it will fall away, and if he then steps down at that point, it's difficult for a coach to walk away from the game voluntarily. Like there's been very, very few coaches that have said, you know what? I did it and I'm giving up now. I'm not going to coach anymore. Can you think of anyone that's done that? that um, honestly said, I, I, I'm a good coach. I'm leaving in a good situation and that's enough for me. Hmm. Brian Smith? Yeah, but he, I mean, he, look, he went to, he ended up at the Roosters at one point. And they weren't great. No, I mean, that's the problem though. I mean, one thing I admire about Brian Smith is he did not back away. In fact, he cherished the biggest issues you could find. He would find he would go to the clubs where there's an absolute just fucking disaster there, and he go, you know what? Give me a fucking broom, I'll take over, I'll fix this shit. Mm. He'd get in there and he'd get them to that point where they're right, we're back on the right track. And he'd go, okay, you get someone else in, I'm going to go and fix up the next fucking mess. And sure enough, that club just goes on from strength to strength. More often than not, that happened. Mm. Um, and I think coaches like that should get more praise because. While they may not be getting the glory of premiership success, they're turning a club around in short time and making them better. Um, and they're doing it knowing that they're not getting the glory of it. Someone else is getting the glory of their hard work and yeah. their graft. 
Um, not enough of those coaches around anymore. Well, I think I think that uh, coaches are smarter than they used to be. You know, you don't want to be the guy that. Well, some some coaches are smarter some, than these. <laughs> but like you look at Dean Pay. Dean Pay had one of the worst teams you will ever see in an NRL is an NRL side. One of the worst teams we've seen for many, many years. Probably going back to the uh, West Magpies in terms of talent. <laughs> so the, the, the Knights? Well, they're, they're another one. But yeah. like you look at him and Nathan Brown. They took those jobs on and said, you know what, it's an opportunity. And as soon as those teams just had a shred of getting anywhere, they were gone. Yeah. You don't take those jobs. Look at Mark, uh, Maguire now. Like, you don't take shit jobs. 100%. Never take a shit job as a coach. You're better off waiting. You're better off being the guy in the wings that everyone's saying, you know what, he's next, he's next, and say, no, I'll pass on that one. I'll pass on that one and wait for the right opportunity. It's... Have we done with the news? Because you've just opened a door into the Michael Maguire chat there. Pretty much. Let's do this. Okay. The problem Michael Maguire has is um, there's not a huge number of coaching gigs out there. And he stayed in this role for – look, he's, he's – this year is his first year where he's been able to see out those long contracts that previous administration coaches have put in place because they were a bunch of deals that were four years long. And he's had to graft through two and a half, three years of that. Mm-hmm. He's finally got to the point now where this season he's not burdened by all of those. So essentially, this is his first year running the Tigers the way he wants to. And after two games, it's shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell you right now, and this is this is a this is a very easy prediction to make. There's going to be a bunch of boorish fucking idiots who are fans of the West Tigers who every year seem to think we're going to be in the eight this year, even though it's clear as fucking ice mm-hmm. that they ain't going to be anywhere near the finals. And after two rounds and two losses and they're looking absolutely shit, they go, oh, it's the fucking coach's fault. It's always the coach's fault. Yeah. You know what? The problem they've got is Michael McGuire is too good for this club. But the longer he stays there, the more he becomes one of them. And there's no way out of that. Yeah. He's going, well, you know what? I'm now in the situation where am I now trying to fix this club? Am I trying to be successful? Or am I just doing what most of the players are and just turning up and getting a paycheck? And we saw in the documentary last year that every time they went to the dressing sheds for every game, halftime, full-time, didn't matter. Maguire was the only one talking. No one else said fucking shit. They sat there quiet like stung crows. That's the time that someone like your playmaker or your captain needs to get up and have a fucking word and get the bloody team pumped up and get involved and, you know, get motivated, talk tactics. No one was doing any of that. That's that, – that falls back on your halfback. And the fact that the club has said relentlessly – we're not letting Luke Brooks go. Shows you just how smart the people who run that club really are. Yeah, I, I 
said a couple of things on Twitter in the last few days that, you know, most people agreed with it, but I did have a few people that pushed back a little bit. The first one is, when does the CEO take responsibility for where the club's at? Because he never does. Now, I had some people saying, well, I feel they they don't lose money and we've got the centre of excellence coming. And I had one person say, you know, that and the junior development will get better and in a couple of years' time. So I simply asked them, how many more years? Because it's been 10 you know, since they last made the finals, they play out of three different stadiums, one of which is a relic from the 1940s. Another one is a relic from the 1980s. Another one is a beautiful stadium, which is just 100% not theirs, and the fans won't even turn up to it at Parramatta. And their centre of excellence, well, that's not built yet. It will be eventually. You know, the club's been around in its this current guys for 20 years and it still isn't a centre of excellence. They're still running shit out of fucking boxcars. You know, their current centre of excellence has axles, as we've talked about. And on top of that, if, if these are rugby league clubs. You know, if you're not winning games, who gives a shit what the books look like? Now, I know you've got to break even and all that sort of stuff. But if your whole premise of the CEO is doing a good job is that we're absolutely terrible, we're a basket case, we can't attract talent, we don't develop very good players, we haven't been good for 10 years, half the teams in the competition make the finals and they can't even crack that, if that's the fucking level you think your CEO is at, well, then you deserve to be, have a fucking shit awful club that puts up the type of efforts we've seen over especially the last 18 months out of this fucking mess of a club. You know, it, I can't believe the board hasn't sacked him, but the board wouldn't sack him because they're not responsible either. None of the club's responsible. And it just filters down through the whole thing. Yeah. You know, last year we watched that documentary and fucking Michael Maguire is there pleading with his players to take some fucking responsibility for their their performance out there in the field and they would just look at their feet and be silent, like you said. And as an opposition fan who's got no connection to the West Tigers at all, I'm fucking watching every other team in the competition. I'm like, you know what? The Cowboys, I thought they'd win the wooden spoon. Damn it. They were putting in, you know, the the Dragons, they pushed the Premiers right to the edge on the weekend against a bunch of penalties that went against them, you know, Mm-hmm. You can go through every single other team and say, even the Bulldogs, you know, the Bulldogs are not the greatest team in the world still, but God damn it, they try hard. Well, even at their worst, they were still a tough team to bloody beat. At the, when they had the least amount of talent in the competition. Yeah. And then you've got this fucking West Tigers team who don't care, who go out and they fucking lose game after game and they don't give a shit and no one's responsible for it, and they're going to sack the fucking coach, I reckon before round 10, he'll be out the door, and it's just, it, they'll bring in some other fucking cunt that'll just do the same fucking shit. He'll be treading water while the CEO pisses away more years, and the board doesn't give a shit, and it's just a fucking mess. And that's it's the problem. It's a of a club. You, you mentioned it before, like someone was saying, oh, you know, the, the books are really good, and they're making money off the field. And as, as I've said before, that's the one thing Pasco can do. He knows how to run a business. 
He's fucking clueless at running a sports team. So let him be the fucking chief financial officer. He knows how to do that. He's proven that. Give him that fucking gig. But here's the thing, Andrew, right? You can go to a sandwich place and get a sandwich. It costs you seven bucks for a nice sandwich. I'll make your sandwich 35 cents. They have two bits of bread and a fucking lump of shit in the middle of it. Okay? That's what the West Tigers are doing. I know, but I'm just saying, like, the problem this club's got is it keeps defending the wrong people while throwing the other wrong people under the bus. And so you're constantly protecting the people you should be getting rid of and getting rid of the people you should be hanging on to. And it's a constant cycle that they've done for more than 10 years. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And every time it's sack the coach. And you're going, it's not the coach. You know, we need some hard truths. Let's have a look at it. David Nofaluma, the fucking commentators love him. He is one of the most frustrating winners to watch in defense. Half the game, he'll stay outside his man and the players will run inside him because he's got that fucking useless defensive center, James Roberts, next to him. And Roberts just looks at defense and he's, it's like he's looking at a um, Chinese algorithm. What the hell am I doing here? Pick a fucking man and tackle him, you dickhead. He doesn't. He stands there looking around and going, how can someone so fast be so slow and inept defensively? He's clueless. And Nofaluma will half the time stay out wide, and the other half the time he'll run in to try and help out his wing at centre, and both times. The, the, the attack just figures them out. Let's yeah. just hold the ball up and run towards him and wait for Nofaluma to do something because we know Roberts won't. Yeah. And as soon as one of them commits, bang, you make your play. You're through. I said, I said it in a tweet the other day. All you've got to do is run a, a simple four-man play on that side of the field. One runner runs straight, one running um, angled in towards the post. The one running in the post is obviously you're in your your first receiver on the closest line to the, the half. The bloke runs straight. He's running between Roberts and Nofaluma and just have your winger outside. You'll score. Either the half takes on the line himself and scores. He gives it to the lead, the close runner and he runs back inside and scores. You give it to the outside runner. He goes between the two and scores. Or you just wait for Nofaluma to rush up and in and then you give it to the winger and he'll score. It's so easy, and that was the one thing that was frustrating me at watching the Knights because they kept going to the other side of the field all the time. I went, you guys could have racked up fucking 60 points over here. Yeah. And every week they do it. And yet here's the club going, let's give Nofaluma a fucking five-year deal. And go, why? He, he's a... What's he's he done to deserve a, it? He's a bog-average winger, you know? Yeah, one... He scored a shit ton of tries a year or so ago, and everyone's going, oh, he's had a great season. Yeah, and they're talking about him playing at fucking Origin. Piss off. You know, he, he doesn't have the defensive ability to read it. Roberts is hopeless. He really is. And look, and look, the other thing is Luke Brooks has had a commitment from this club for a very, very long time. He is now a seasoned professional. He is no longer a young halfback. He is an he's almost a veteran player, you know. And he's two seasons away from two hundred games. Yeah. Now Jackson Hastings didn't do much in his first stint in the NRL and went over to Super League to resurrect his career. Played pretty well in Super League, but a lot of very average players have done that. He come back for an opportunity because he wanted another crack at it. He has come into this West Tigers team, and in two games, he has completely dominated everything that Brooks has done. He has become their number one playmaker, 
the number one initiator of everything. He's talking to his forwards and his teammates, telling them where he wants to, them to be. He has even ran out of dummy half a bunch of times in that game against the Knights. Mm-hmm. Because the dummy half was just fucking terrible. Absolutely terrible. And I'm watching Jackson Hastings and, you know, he's, he's not the best player. He's all right. He's all right. He's serviceable. I think in a really good club with a, a good 5'8 outside of him, he'd be all right. You know, he'd get the job done for you. But he's a competitor. And he's always been a competitor. In some, when he was younger, that was half of his problem. He tried too hard sometimes. And he tried to do things that were beyond him. And he slowed that down with reps in Super League. And that's good to see. But to see him come in and in two games go, fuck this. I'm taking over. And Brooks just passively, there's nothing. There's no fire. There's no talk. He doesn't control anything. He does. There's nothing at all out of him. He should be dropped. It's over. It's over for Brooks. If they no, push him onto a different club, they should take the, if that. If another club comes to them and says, you have to play half of his salary, do it. Because it is over for Brooks. He's not a first grader. Because a first grader isn't that passive. No, I fully agree. I've, I've said it all along. His skill set is good enough for the NRL. But he does not have the ability to communicate with the team around him. He can't organise anything. He can't run plays. And if you're going to be a halfback, you need to do those things better than have a good kicking game, running game, passing game, all that sort of stuff that he can do. His skill set is completely flipped. If he yep. went the other way, he'd be much better. I mean, Chad Townsend talks on the field, and that makes him a better halfback than Luke Brooks. Mm-hmm. Luke Brooks has got far more skill than Chad Townsend will ever have. But the fact that Townsend can organise things, he may not be great at it either, but the fact that he can do it to some degree makes him better than Brooks. And Brooks is... I don't know why, what they've seen him, why they want to hang on to him for so long. It's It's got me baffled. Of I don't know why. Of all the players in that team, he is the last one on the list that I am I am putting any long-term faith in. And they're the opposite. They're like, he's our player. He's, he's our man. And it's like, he does nothing. He, he and, gives you nothing. He's not a competitor. He do, he's, It's over. The Brooks thing is fucking over, and it has been for a long time now. And I think Hastings, for all of his faults, and, he, you know, I'm saying that like he's the worst player in the world. He's not. He's a competitor. That, fuck. If, he had, if Brooks had half the competitive edge that Hastings had, we wouldn't be having this fucking conversation. Brooks needs to communicate. That's his fucking problem. Just if, anything. I would love to see. Jackson Hastings with Luke Brooks' skill set. Ugh. Fuck me, to be brilliant. But Brooks is just, it's just wasted talent. It's just over. They, like, yeah. they can't so wait anymore, Andrew. They've, they just they've, done, they've done everything they could to try and coax it out of him. Madge has been more than lenient with him. Mm-hmm. You know, in the past, there were a lot of excuses made to defend Brooks. You know, people saying, oh, you know, Robbie Farrow used to overcall him all the time. You're seeing now why Robbie Farrow had to do that, because mm-hmm. you needed an organiser. The fact that Farrow could organise plays from dummy half should be giving people a bit more um, respect 
as to just how good Robbie Farrell was. But and here's the thing, like, and the other thing about it was, well, he's young, you know, you got to give him time, you got to give him time, <sighs> and then you see all these young halfbacks come in the game and and they do develop, but they don't need that much time. You know, you look at a Sam Walker. It's, you know, I'm not saying Sam Walker's a perfect player, but damn it, he he is a better competitor and can organise a team better than Luke Brooks can. And the fact that Brooks come into a system where he had Farrett at, at dummy half, he had Benji Marshall outside of him, and, and this is the halfback he ended up with. Like, he had the perfect start, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you can't learn how to organise a side when you've got those two very good organisers around you, you got no chance. Mm. And I know this seems unfair, but when you consider that Nico Hines is in his very first season as a halfback and already has better organising skills after two games in the role, than Brooks has ever shown in all the seasons he's been there. That's a problem. And that should be glaring. That should be fucking standing out. But it's it's like, no, we've got to look after him. And this is the thing. It's very clear now that when Dewey is fit, Dewey goes in at six, Hastings at seven, that's it for Brooks. All Brooks is doing right now is keeping his seat warm until Dewey gets back from his injury, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um I I wrote this season off at the start of the year, yeah. like I do with most Tiger seasons, because nothing they've done has ever given me the sense of hope that this is going to be the year things get turned around. It just doesn't. Because at the end of the day, the the one common denominator that makes teams great and hard to beat is good defence. And the Tigers, every time they have a bad season, oh, we've got to get better attackers. And going. You've got to stop leaking points, you fucking idiots. Mm. They never focus on this. Never focus on it. They've got to stop leaking points. Their defence in the middle is, let's call it passive. Mm-hmm. On the edges, it's fucking guesswork. And on the on the flanks, especially on the Nofaluma bloody Robert's edge, that's got to be the worst um, defensive pairing in the competition. Far none. Outside of... When uh, was the Canberra at centre? Oh, Croker. Yeah, Croker and anyone. You could have Croker and the best defensive winger. No, I, I, wrote, I wrote Croker a better defender than James Roberts. James Roberts is by far the worst defender in the game. I would, Oh, man. Oh. James Roberts is the worst defender in the game. This is not even a debate. I, I would... Oliver Gildart came over here in just two games, has completely outplayed... James Roberts, in every facet of the game. And I'm not saying this is a derogatory time to, to Gildart, but the fact is he's only been in this this club, in this competition, for two games, and he's shitting all over Roberts. That's true, but that's pretty easy to do as well. That's my point. <laughs> that's how bad Roberts is. I think Croker is an upgrade on Roberts. I, I would... Oh, man. I would never no, have Croker in it. No, no, no. I, I don't care what your opinion no, is. You're no, wrong. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> we we fall out over Robertson. <laughs> I, okay, I, I'll put it to you like this. Okay, Penrith have decided yeah. that they they need a new centre, and the only two available for them to buy, and they have to buy one, is James Roberts and Jared Croker. I would take Roberts. Bullshit. I I swear to God, I swear to God, because Croker is money in the bank. 
Croker is like, first of all, let's let's forget about the whole choke and when it counts thing. Let's just put that to the side at the moment because we know about that long history of that. But he is so he's the worst defensive reader I've ever seen ever with just in all of rugby league. No. I, I would take Roberts backpedaling as quick as he can over fucking Croker sprinting out of the line, turning around and watching 12 of his teammates trying to hold the the fucking defense. There's no difference. It's the same thing. I, the fact I, is, I've seen Croker play in a grand final. Yes. You don't get there by being shit every game. Well, You've got they, to string together at least a handful of good games. I don't see Roberts ever performing any good games at all at centre. Ever. I would take Roberts over Croker. You're mad. One, 100% of <laughs> You're mad. 100% of the time. I have zero faith in Kroger. And you know what? My faith has always been repaid when I have zero faith in Kroger. (laughs) Well, I'm going to move on from there because... We should put together a list of, like, players we would refuse to have in their team. (laughs) Most of them already play for my team. (laughs) Basically, uh, take out Hastings and put in, I don't know... (laughs) Moylan. <laughs> the thing the club's done is that they went and spent, I assume, decent money on Ken Marmolo. And this is not a, a criticism of Ken. I think he's played reasonably well at the Tigers. But when you're struggling to stop points being scored, the first thing you don't do is spend money on a winger. Yeah, and then... Fix like, your defence. Like last year was the opportunity to get someone who's known for the defence in Dale Finnegan. And they were speaking to him, and he went to Cronulla. But the, and this is where the CEO comes into it, and people have been saying, "Well, Maguire, you know, do do you think that he's not getting any of the players that he asks for? Who wants to come to the club? Exactly. And your CEO, I mean, what is the plan? And we've talked about this before. Make money. Well, you save money, yeah. And it's easy to say, look, it's easy to balance the books at a club. When the NRL covers your biggest costs and you're not exactly spending a great amount on junior development and you're not known for having the best stadium in the game. And, you know, there's all of these different things that they don't well, have hang on. to pay don't for. They, weren't they also getting paid to play at um, the Olympic Stadium for many years? That's pretty – makes they it a bit were. easier to make coin out of that. Yeah. And look, there's got to be some sort of savings that you make when you're not paying all of your staff and stuff stuff to be in the offices through September every year. We don't have to worry about paying building insurance. Exactly. <laughs> They're on axles, you just get car insurance. Yeah. It's hell of a lot cheaper. You have a bad month, you just fucking... <laughs> oh, you know what, Andrew? I bet Pay the $500 excess and get a new one. I bet you money they rent those things. I bet of they Of course they know. do. They, they rent them. them. This is, this is another thing that people seem to talk about a lot is the centre of excellence. Like it's going to help them automatically stop leaking 30 points a game. Mm. How? Mm. How? How about the fact that this club currently, and look, it, it was formed by two clubs that had been around since 1908, but I'm willing to put that aside. This club has been around for 20 plus years now. And they still haven't got their permanent centre of excellence. What the fuck have they been waiting for all this time? Like, what the fuck? I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. 
It took them ages to realise that they wanted to train at Concord, despite the fact that not a single player wanted to fucking live near it. Mm-hmm. The players either wanted to live in like in a Sydney or they wanted to live out Campbelltown. So Concord was it pleased no one. It, they went, oh, let's do it anyway. That's probably another problem too. How many players are going to live at, live in and around Concord anyway that are in the NRL, not just at the West Tigers, but anywhere? Gee, fuck all. Yeah, they live, a, they live around Mascot, Sydney, Bondi, that sort of thing, or you know, Manly, the Shire. They live out west, Campbelltown, Penrith Way. There'll be some might be around Parramatta, the Canterbury, whatnot. But that'd be about it. It's there's not going to be a whole leap that are going to be going. Oh, I tell you what, I wouldn't mind going to the West Tigers because I just bought this place at Concord. Who, who the fuck lives at Concord? Yeah, it's it's not a not a great place. It's no shitty to get to too. There are trains. That's right. So why would you put your centre of excellence at a place where no one wants to go? And so when you're doing your tour and you're taking people around your your um your demandable officers on axles, you're trying <laughs> to you know trying to sell the joint to them. Yeah. You know, Check out this place. We we just got this um this this little building here. We just got this from a bloke who sold kebabs out of it for a few years. We got the smell out, but um we put some nice new stickers on it, and um uh, you'll be able to do squats in there. Um, excellent squats, mind you, because it's an excellent facility. Um, but they'll be excellent, very excellent. Um, who the fuck's gonna? How about the fact? What is you... this Mickey Mouse organization that you're trying to get me to come to? But but how about this, right? You get funding for a centre of excellence. You can put it wherever you want. If you're the West Tigers, you can literally, you've got a big area you can say is West. Because as I've said before, the West Tigers are based like fucking 50 kilometres east of me. So they can go down Campbelltown Way where there's, in the MacArthur region where there's all of this new shit being built, right? They could have, land is cheaper there. You know, the cost's cheap. Everything's cheaper to do it down there have a big facility down there. They could even say, look, let's go to the government and say, you know what, new stadium, let's put the centre of excellence there. We could have this whole big thing there. But no, they shoehorn a fucking centre of excellence in the back road of a fucking shitty little suburb in, you know, the inner west of Sydney that's crap to get to. Anytime there's any traffic, it's fucked. Yeah, And it's a former rugby union ground, isn't it? Or is it still a rugby union ground? I don't. I don't even think rugby union uses it anymore. But at least they well, can. They can't afford the train ticket out there anymore. Yeah, true. But you know, you take a a, a possible player out there and say, no, I'd they played this fucking nineteen nineties semi final of the rugby union world cup at this place. Uh, there's a lot of history of this place, and they're thinking, God, I hope my car doesn't get towed because I'm fucking in a, a no park zone, and it, it's just ah, uh, what a dumb. It's just a dumb club led by people that have zero responsibility. And we saw it last year in that documentary when the CEO is like, oh, I don't really have ups and downs. And I, was, I wasn't I was even angry because I'm like, why would he? His job is never under threat, no matter yeah. how bad they are. Yeah, he's completely clueless. And every time they bring a new player in, they go from doing whatever they used to do, which is pretty good, to whatever the fuck it was Tyrone Peachy did to get Sinbin on the weekend. Oh, did, that was... What a clusterfuck of... You just see that was. He asked for it. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, when he did that, I was like, well, that's a sin binning. And then the referee yeah. stopped the game of sin bins him, and it's like, well, yeah, like... I mean, uh, the referee was even started. He was looking at it going, 
I know this is a symbolism, but why would you make it so obvious? Yeah. I, I don't. You know what? I'm not going to question anymore. Just, just go. Yeah. <laughs> You're confusing me now. And Peachy just wanders off and like, oh, I guess I did the wrong thing. God. You just sort of sit there, just putting your hands in there, going, "What the fuck is this?" But it's a symptom of buying what's left. Exactly you know, right. As I've it, said all along, it's what they yeah. do all the time. It's the, you know, we can get Ken Mamalo. We don't need a, a a winger, but we can get him. So let's get him. Oh, yeah. you know, Peachy, we could probably get him. We don't need a utility forward off the bench, but let's get him. They lucked out a little bit getting Jackson Hastings. But let's face it, if they had set up their club in the right way, they wouldn't be looking at getting a Jackson Hastings. Um, and it just goes down the line. You know, yeah. how many of the players have that? Like, who have they ever really recruited where you've been like, oh, yeah, him. You know, he, he that fucking guy, he's got the best years ahead of him. He's a, he's a really good recruit. It's You know, you can look at a Dane Laurie. But even then, the reason they got Dane Laurie from the Panthers is because there was like three players playing for the one position. Yeah. So they had they were going to lose him somewhere. Yeah. Um. Well, I know you're going to laugh at this one, but this is this shows you where the Tigers are at. But um, Gareth Ellis is on that list. I can't argue with it. No. That's I can't thing. argue with it. He's high on that list because he did play well at the Tigers, and the Tigers were successful when he was there. And that's they're not they're not flukes those two things. He did play well there, and he did play in the peak of his career because I think it was when he was twenty six to twenty nine. Yeah, yeah, it's about that. I, I would say. Um, I thought Prince was a bit of a lucky one because I think he played yeah, best footy was, at the Tigers, and his career was in a bit of a funny place when they yeah, got. Yeah, he was horribly injury prone at the time, so he was a big risk when we got him. Mm-hmm. Um, Jared McCracken, he was a really good signing, oh, but that didn't last long, unfortunately. Yeah, Melbourne broke him. Yep. Um, yeah, there's not been much. Oh, Adam Dewey. Adam, yeah, Adam Dewey. And look, I, I think that in a good side, Adam Dewey is a fringe first grader. I know you feel better. About, I, feel, I know you rate him higher. I'm, see, one of the things that I'm... I really appreciate in a player is them taking leadership by action on the field. Yeah. And he does that an awful lot. Yeah. And that's something that I really respect from players. Um, and the Tigers haven't had a great deal of players who do that. Um, so yeah, he's, he's very good in that area. And that, that's something that I rate pretty highly. I tell you what he does. He, I think he maximizes his talent level as to what he you can possibly get out of him, you know. I think and also he's, he's like as you said before about Hastings. He's a genuine competitor as well. Yes, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. They're really missing him. They're really missing. Oh shit, him. yeah, shit, yes. But, like, can you think of any any other players that they got? And you were like, they got him at the right time. Uh like they probably. Got the Pat, Pat Richards the first time. I mean, we're getting <laughs> this is where we're at though. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm thinking to myself, you know what? They kind of got maybe the best years of Bo Ryan's career. He was a junior though, I think. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the the list is short. Yeah, 
Lottie Takuri wasn't too bad when he came across, but that was coming back from Union. Yeah. Um, and he was already a good player, so it wasn't that much of a stretch, to be honest. And it, I think it's fair to say, of all of his NRL careers, probably that was the worst of him. Yeah. Um, Jason Moody. <laughs> he, he was all right for him. Keith Galloway. Ah, oh, Hodgson. Oh, Brett Hodgson. Yeah, oh, fuck. They that guy, though, was an absolute gun no matter where he, where he played. Even when he was finishing up his career over in England. Yeah, he was here. Um, he was elite. Um, just, he's, a, he's one of those blokes where if there weren't so many good fullbacks around at the time, he probably would have played a hell of a lot more rep footy. Just another very hard competitor, given, especially given his frame. Yeah, he was small. They probably put him down as 98 kilos, too. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> God, they were putting 20 kilos on him. Tell you what, watching Gildart play, he's not a big player. He's, no, a, he's, not, he's not a big guy. I mean, no. we discussed that before. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he is he is wholehearted though. He's not he's not a passive bloke that stands around looking looking for an opportunity to be sent to him. He will go looking for the ball, it, and that's that's more of a typically English outside back thing. It's uh, I I said that he's got the chance to prove he's uh, the best defensive centre that Great Britain has had. Outside back, sorry, not centre. Outside back that Great Britain's had for 40 years. Um, well, he's, he's already... I think I actually saw him make one tackle all on his own, which already automatically makes him a better defender than Andy Courier. Yeah, well, he's in the top five straight away. Bam, straight, right there. I'd, I'd say in terms of outside backs, him and Gareth Ellis. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he, he, he is it's prized because I really watched that West Tigers game on the weekend and um yeah he's he's not a big dude but and it's too early to you know I'm not gonna rate him on two games. So no, especially when the and this is the thing, I remember hearing in the commentary they're talking about how few meters the West Tigers forwards had made in that game and that is bad. Yeah. Um that comes down to Complete lack of direction coming from your your hooker and your half in the your halfback in the spine. It's their job to to steer that sort of stuff around the field, and more often than not, give it to Brooks and he sends it wide. And yeah, yeah, you can't try and run around teams in the NRL anymore. It just it just doesn't work. You have got to do the hard yards through the middle before you can go wide. And yeah, the Tigers just don't know that. I remember talking to English fans a long time ago, and and saying how, like, if you try and run around an Australian team, and I, I mean, like, the test side, origin teams, NRL teams, and I use Australian as in Southern Hemisphere teams, they'll they'll let you try all day because you're not going to run around them, you know. No. Um, you've got to catch a team out wide by what you do in field. That's exactly you right. You can't just run around a team. Um, and, and whenever I see a team that has not made good metres up the middle, I immediately look at the hooker because I think a good a good dummy half, if the defence is really good, he's going to be trying to break them down as a first point of attack. And then he's obviously going to have his forwards working off the back of that. If he's not doing that job, then they're basically just trying to hit it up out of out of trouble. And that's when you get those those games where 
you know, none of your forwards make over 100 metres. And it, look, it's rare that it happens, but when it does happen, I tend to look at the hooker um, in that regard. Yeah, and that's that's fair because, I mean, it is their job to essentially either get their forwards good early ball so they can hit the ball at speed and make good, you know, post-contact metres, mm-hmm. or make a bit of a dart out of dummy half, get the back, get the defence on the back foot, then get your forward, feed, feed your forward a ball. So they can push through that and get through that line. That's, I mean, that's, the Tigers were blessed for a long time in having a, a good hooker in Robbie Farah, and never once did they really genuinely properly utilise him. Well, so he, he just was, sat there busting his backside all the fucking time, and for no real return. I mean, they crucified the poor bastard, um, you, you ruined his career. Have, you think of how many really good go-forward men Robbie Farrow played alongside. Yeah. Like, the fact that the Tigers made three finals campaigns under his, you know, in, during his career is actually quite impressive. You consider some of the fours they've had to deal with. Well, And that's the thing. Like, when you think of Benji Marshall when he played for the West Tigers, um, it, on, on paper, you could look at his record, and, and yeah, they won a premiership. Obviously, amazing, right? But if you look at the rest of it, it overall, as an overall thing, doesn't look great. But when you actually watched it and you saw some of the teams he fucking dragged to victory single-handedly, mm. it was it was magic. Very yeah. few players have had that ability that it, you can watch them and say this guy just refuse to let this his teammates lose. And it's like, you know, the players you, you've seen do it is like, I think him, Lockyer, Johns, Fittler, Lewis. Yeah, we're talking some pretty elite names there. Y- yeah, it's and like... very, yeah. <laughs> very uniquely talented humans as well. Like, they're all one of a kind, you know, skilled players. Yeah, yeah. You don't get players who replicate them. Um. Yeah, the the club is just it's a frustrating mess, and I think I think the one real telling thing is I've, I've got a feeling if you look at win percentage over the last ten years, mm. the West Tigers is if it's not worst, it's one of the worst three. And yeah. given that the the teams around them have won wooden spoons and they haven't, that shows you how consistently mediocre that club has been for that whole decade. Cause every other club's been in the finals at least once except the Tigers. And, and that's the thing. It's like we talk about, uh, and sometimes people talk about, oh, the salary cap doesn't work. And it's like, hang on a second. Look at how many teams make the finals on a regular basis. Like if you took it on a, a five year basis, it's very rare a team doesn't make, the finals within a five-year space. And it normally takes something catastrophic, like what we saw at the Newcastle Knights or what we saw at the Bulldogs. You know, it takes something, you know, what we saw at those two clubs, we haven't seen that much in the last 40 years. Just utterly atrocious player management. Yeah, and and it's, it's not, it's at the top. You know, they're problems that started at the top. And then if you look over a 10-year period and say, okay, which teams didn't make a grand final? And there's not very many. Like, a lot of them make the grand final. 
And if you look at it over the period that the NRL itself has been brought in, there's only really a couple of teams that haven't made the grand final. I think it's like uh, the the Titans. It might yeah. just be them. It's I think just, it's just the Titans. Yeah, just the Titans. So, you know, it, it there's a cycle. There's a real cycle within the game where teams go up and down and up and down. And for the most part, over the last 10 years, the West Tigers haven't gone anywhere. No. And if you're in control of that, you should go. Exactly right. And that's the thing. These, these people who have been running the club have been there a lot longer than the coach has. And these issues with the club, as I've discussed, have been going on for a decade. The coach hasn't been there that long. Mm-hmm. So, while it's all well and good that people want to sit there and point the finger at the coach, it's about time people start to realise that this club has hired and sacked coaches with gay abandoned for the best part of the last six, seven years. And look where it's got us. They've, they've gone nowhere. They've just been consistently stagnant the whole time. So it's obviously, obviously moving the coach around has done nothing. It's it's improved nothing. It doesn't matter who the coach is, how good they are, how bad they are. It makes zero impact. So the coach is not the problem. The problem is somewhere else. Yeah. Player churn still happens. So it can't entirely be the player squad, but there are members in the squad who they choose to hang on to who contribute to this, obviously. And the fact that they've been there a long time suggests that, well, if we're not winning and we've got these people here... Maybe we shouldn't. And it's not to say that they're bad players. It's just the fact that this isn't working. We need to try something drastically different. Let's change something now. So let some players go and see what happens. A lot of clubs have made those tough decisions. I mean, think Penrith and they let go of players like Luke Lewis, who's a genuine game winner. They could have hung on to him, would have been fine. But they went, you know what? We have to try something new. Mm-hmm. They let him go. They let Wade Graham go. I mean, these guys are proven match winners even when they left. I still want another premiership. But sometimes you've got to bite the bullet and make those tough decisions. And the Tigers are too scared to do that. They're complete pee-hearts. Well, why would you make the tough decisions if your job is never on the line? Exactly right. That's the thing. That's what it comes down to. The job of the CEO is never on the line. The job the board. of the board members, that yeah, they, they can't be voted out. There's That's no right. mechanism. Uh, so why would they risk anything? And they just you protect know? one another. Think about this, Andrew. Like, the last time the West Tigers were in the finals, Nathan Cleary would have been in primary school. Yeah. You know, Stephen Crichton would have been in primary school. Jerome Luai. It, fucking Dylan Edwards. It, like, that's how long ago we're talking about. And that shows you that it's not yeah, just a... Premiership winning players. Yes. Now, we're in primary school. It's fucking outrageous. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's absurd, completely absurd. That's how bad this club is. It's they, they can't attract anyone. No, and, and they never will for it. No, they they just they never will. Why would you go there? Exactly. It'd be stupid to go there. And you know, I I I watch Dane Laurie, and you can see class, right? And I and it it just I don't know if it's me you know, projecting onto him or something. But I watch him play and I'm like, this dude is going to be gone as soon as he can. As soon as there's an opening somewhere, as soon as he gets a his manager 
calls him and says, dude, his team, they're on the lookout for a fullback. I can get you there if you want. I feel like he is gone immediately. I feel like if the Panthers found a place for him, like if they said, look, let's get Dane Laurie back and Chuck Edwards on the wing or something, he'd be gone immediately. And I don't like saying that because on the weekend, the thing that jumped out at me is the Cowboys were fucking terrible last year. And I watched them on the weekend guts out the game. And I'm watching it and I'm like, wow, Tomalolo's starting to get some shit together. They're just, they, there were a few things you looked at and you're like, ooh, I like this. And it was the same thing with the Dragons. Like, I thought the Dragons and the, the Cowboys were going to be bottom three teams. And I watched the Dragons and they, you know, they made a real game of it. And I'm seeing some of these teams that I really, last year, some of them were tragic. And this year, you're watching it like, ooh, like the Knights. I, I fucking, I'm loving watching the Knights at the moment because it's been such a turnaround from last year. And then the West Tigers, and it's like, oh, this is the same shit. Yeah. It's it's the same shit that it, it, it's it's the same shit as at the end of the season when you expect them to start tailing off. Now yeah. they're doing it in round two. Yeah. Um, and so, Dave, yeah. you get the feeling that they're going to run into someone over the next few weeks who's just going to batter them. Oh, absolutely. It's not far away either. I think they've got the Warriors this weekend. Um, so they'll get another week where they may be able to look competitive. Mm-hmm. Not saying they're going to win. Hastings um, might be there because he's got that dangerous throw. Yeah, two weeks, two to three weeks. That's right. So that's not good. No. Um, I wonder who's on their draw actually this week. Well, for the next few weeks anyway. Let's have a look. Um, where is it? NRL. This is great podcasting right here. This really is. People love hearing us browsing the internet, I reckon. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, Warriors, Titans, um, a rapidly improving Sharks, mm-hmm. a typically strong performing Parramatta, mm-hmm. South, Dragons, Manly, Cowboys, Bulldogs, Warriors, uh, sorry, Rabbitohs, then they get the buy. So that'll be where they get their first two points of the year. Nice. But like you guys, for like, the, the Titans are another one of those teams. That's the thing. They've got so many teams there that are tricky. Mm. The Warriors are tricky. You don't know which way that's going to go. The Warriors are favourites for that one already. Mm-hmm. Um, the Titans have the squad on paper to get the job done. Mm-hmm. The Sharks are genuinely improving at a pretty good rate every week. Mm-hmm. And they've got very strong um, forward pack as well, which is going to decimate the Tigers. Parramatta and others big power forward pack, so they'll they'll roll off the back of that. South the same again. Dragons, fuck knows what'll turn up there. Manly, well, you know, just they could just turn up and just let Tom Dravoyevich take the field and no one else, and he'll just destroy him. The Cowboys could just be like Tom Travoyevich just run at James Roberts because he'll just he'll just yeah. walk into the the uh, the end goal. <laughs> he'll rack up nineteen tries to the game. <laughs> One free hit up. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think the one thing that saved so many of these board members and CEOs and the like this whole time has been the fact that the Tigers haven't won a wooden spoon. And perhaps, hate to say it, what might need to happen to general to create some genuine change is for the Tigers to finally get the wooden spoon. 
finally be labelled the worst team in the NRL because they've always just missed out on it. Yeah, um, and the thing that I like, I tipped them to be wooden spooners up until right before the season started, and then I looked at the Cowboys and I was like, I got to go with Cowboys. Oh, I did the same thing, and then and but. From what I've seen over the start of the competition, it's clearly the West Tigers right now are the worst team of the competition. And, you know, the, the Cowboys have got spirit. The Bulldogs have something going on there, whether it's just Matt Burton, you know, adding a bit more class to them. And you see Josh Adokar adding his experience to the side, things like that. They've got something. You know, we don't know what it is just yet, but it's going to get better as the season goes on. The Dragons have something going on. The only team that really doesn't right now is the West Tigers, and it's it's so frustrating. As a somebody that just loves the game and wants to see every team have their moment, every team build, whether they're a good team or a bad team. You want to see, I love watching the Broncos right now because I think of where they've come from and what they've been through as a club. And what Kevin Walters is doing, it's like it's fucking special what he's doing with that club right now. And the West Tigers don't have any of that and haven't had that for a decade. It's fucking terrible. Yeah, exactly right. Um, so I think it's about time that the club changed its board. Mm-hmm. And I know I've said this before, so we'll just repeat myself, but we've got to stop having this whole Balmain versus West thing because it's tired and it's entirely irrelevant now. This West Tigers is a new club. So no more Balmain members on the board. No more West Magpies people on the board. Let's just get West Tigers people on the board with no affiliation to either of those foundation clubs mm-hmm. and get all focused on getting the team successful on the fucking field for a change instead of making sure that the books look pretty and everyone's got money because at the end of the day it won't take long before clubs start, you know sponsors start going you know what we want to be seen as this as a successful brand and we find that if we're attaching ourselves to you people won't attribute us to success mm. that's eventually what happens remember when the um the Sharks were struggling for a while. They're not just with on-field performances, but even when they were successful, but had um, that filthy cheat Shane Flanagan as their coach. Mm-hmm. No one wanted to be attached to him. No. Negative negative stuff like that, you know, be it on the field or off the field, will impact on sponsors. Tigers have been coasting for too long on this. But if that absolute fucking peanut... Um, Phil Rothel got his way, and he's pushing the Shane Flanagan fucking barrow for a new gig. Every chance he gets. And he's been banging on about the Tigers should get Shane Flanagan in. You're going, fuck off. He has yeah, zero that, regard for the rules. He isn't even worthy to coach an under-9s team, let alone an NRL side. Yeah, exactly. Like, the only time he had success, go and have a look at what was going on all around it. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was a disgrace. Was all him. Yeah. Um, and the other one he keeps bringing on about is Paul Green. Hang on. Paul Green is not an upgrade, I'm sorry, on Michael Maguire. But just say they, just say bring in Paul Green, right? What's going to change? If nothing else changes. Well, their attack gets worse. That's you know, it. And, and Paul Green, it, <laughs> and look, I think that you now look at some of the stuff that's happened at North Queensland since Paul Green's been gone. And you can't 
attribute all the blame to him because we definitely took you and me talked about like he he didn't upgrade his team he didn't change anything when he had that premiership winner team they were just allowed to fade out Paul Green left and a lot of that Cowboys team was just allowed to fade out now I think that they're bringing through a few more juniors now which is good but I don't think it was all Paul Green's fault the way that that ended up in North Queensland. Oh, no, no. I don't blame him for what went on with the roster. I blame him entirely for the lack of imagination in attack because mm. once once Thurston retired and Morgan started getting injured, that team had the most one-dimensional, dullest attack of any team I've seen in a long, long time. Mm. It's just like, just give it to Tormelolo and see if he can do something. And Tomo does a hit up and takes 15 players with him, but he doesn't get to the trial. It's like, okay, what do we do now? He's playing the ball. We can't use him now. Yeah. The other uh, kick to the corner, see if Felt can do something. You know, <laughs> seriously, that's that was it. The thing that gets me too, and and look, a lot of it will come from just the experience he's getting. But Jake Clifford, since he has moved to mm-hmm. the Newcastle Knights, stra- straight away going to the Knights, he looked better yeah. this season. Like, by the time Jake Clifford is 30, he's going to be one of the top halfbacks in the game. And I'm not saying that he's got superstar potential, but I think he'll be just one of those really honest halfbacks that can just guide a team around. It's a good kicking game. He tells his players where to go and where he wants them. He he has the potential to be a pretty damn good halfback. Um, I like everything I'm seeing out of him right now, and Newcastle got a steal in him. Oh, yeah. It shows the value, too, of having a very good organising hooker mm-hmm. to help, help you, you know, because um, is it Jaden Brown? Yeah, he runs the, uh, he runs that, that forward pack all on but, his own. Yeah, but he's he's out injured at the moment. With his I know, but it's, I'm, you know, it's talking more about last year when he was there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so because he's able to run that forward pack on his own, it means that Clifford only has to think about, you know, organising where they will run mm. when you go, when they're on the attack, you know, and as in, in point scoring attacking sort of areas and kicking game and setting up the outside backs, which is, that's how it should be for a halfback. Yeah. It should be that, that simple and that straightforward. You know, Tigers don't seem to understand any of that except for the coach, the one bloke they want to get rid of, the one and only bloke showing all this passion and talk about wanting to, you know, desire to want to get success on the field. He's the bloke that people want to get rid of. That's the problem. There's too many people at the club, fans and officials, mm. who want a quick fix when they don't realise that what the club needs is not a quick fix because they don't work with this club. We've done enough of them now to know that's that's fact. What yeah. they've got to do is go, right, where's the fucking broom? Let's start this shit now. Start at the top. Pasco, as I said, making financial officer. Get him out of the running of the club. Get him out of the running of anything to do with the football team and its on-field stuff. Get him away from all of that. He can play with the fucking calculator. Let him have it. And then the board. You know what? You've had your fucking run. You're all gone. New one's in. And focus then on, right, Maguire, tell us what you need to have a good defensive side that we can build a team around and work from there. That's what they've got to do. Stop putting players on. No, not one player at that club who's been there for the, at least the last three years, all of the last three years, deserves to be getting any four-year deals. No. Yet Nofaluma got one. Yeah. Fuck off. 
it makes no sense. Makes no it makes sense. no sense. So stop doing that. You know what? As of I, if it was me, I'd say right. As of now, every single one of you, you get a one year deal. And like, what would they lose? That's the thing I don't understand with That's West right. fans that are saying, "Well, it's not CEO and stuff." It's like if you replace him, what are you losing? You know, there's, it's not like there's anything here to hold on to. No, like, even got... if somebody said to you, look, if you get rid of the CEO, you lose Jack, you know, Jackson Hastings and Adam Dewey. It's like, all right. <laughs> like, yep. like, it's not like there's this, this core that you, you can look at and say, oh, you know what? You add a couple to them. Everything is on the table. E- everything. There's nothing to hold on to. So let's just fucking start again. Yep. Take the loss this year. Accept the spoon. Because that's what they're going to get. And just say, you know what? Let's back the coach for a change. Sack the players. Because I know they always say, oh, it's cheaper to sack the coach. Mm. Is it, though? How much has this club spent on paying out former coaches while still paying out a current coach? Millions upon millions. So how's about we start getting rid of the players because they're the ones. I'm fairly certain when Michael Maguire puts down the game plans and has training sessions every week, the the training sessions and say, right, when you're at dummy half, I want you to just swat at the ball from an on offside position uh, for no reason other than to get a sin bin because I think getting a sin bin is really going to help us lose better. When you when you go into dummy half and we're in the attack, right, you get the ball, you throw it. Ten feet in the air over the top of the halfback. Okay, yeah, yeah. you're gonna know he's the halfback because he's gonna be standing there silently. <laughs> yeah, you'll see his shadow. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna he's gonna look like a dude that's just on the field and shouldn't be there. Yeah. That's your halfback. That's our leader. Okay, yeah, he, he won't ask for it. You've just got to give it to him. Trust us. That's what he wants. He's the silent, passive, doesn't lead from the front kind of guy. Okay. Yeah. Pass it over the top of his head if he can. He'll catch it. He'll get it. Don't worry. Yeah. But I want you to throw it as high as you can. Yeah. He's got good hands. Trust yeah. us. He'll catch it. And every so often, just throw it at his ankles. Yeah. He'll, he'll catch it. Don't worry. His hands are good. He'll catch it. But, you know, just mix it up a bit. <laughs> he likes that variation. Oh, man. It's that's, like, the thing, that's the other thing they did, too. They they fucking kept re-signing Jacob Little despite all of his injuries. I mean, I know it's a it's a nice thing to do because the poor bugger went through a whole heap of injuries, and that's, you know, I understand that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you're a football club. And when were you and me talking about Because we had a real good discussion about, like, you know, and you were like, he, he does have some talent, but, and I was I was like, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I'm sorry. You know, it's it sucks, but you got to go. You know, I can't. I know, I'm, I'm fully agree. I'm, I'm just saying, like, if you break down, you looked at the way he plays the game and you break down his own personal skill set, he does take the line on more than most halfbacks do, which is a good thing. He does have a good passing game left and right. He does have a reliable enough kicking game. But, and he does know when to take the line on. There's no doubt about it. He's got plenty of pace too. He can make a good intercept every now and then. Um, and he's developed goal kicking. He's not brilliant at it, but he's only started, he's only been doing it for a year and a half and he's come along pretty quickly. But if you can't communicate, if you can't run a play, if you're taking on the line 15 metres out, there's no point going in on your own. You need, If you're a halfback, you need to have option runners left and right and not just one each side, a few different angles, and you need to be calling that shit. 
and he doesn't. You watch how many times in a game, you watch Luke Brooks playing in the game there, you watch how many times he gets he gets tackled with the ball and not a single player around him is moving. They'll just stand around watching. Mm. That's his fault. Mm. If you're going to take the line on, you need to be getting, telling the players around you, right, come on, we're going up now, and I'm going to use you. And you, know, you, 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 you sell lines that you're going to run, knowing the opposition is going to hear you and make them think, oh, he's going to use this block over, he's going to do that there. And you're not going to do that. You know in your head what you're going to do. But if you don't have those option runners running for you, opposition just goes, Halfback's running. You tackle him. He's only tiny. Okay, no worries. One defender tackles him, wraps him up. Well, you know, whoopee. Now what? Yeah. And it happens every fucking game. He gets caught dead with the ball. He's taking the right option. He's running when he's supposed to. He's running at the right people on the right line. He's doing everything correct except calling a fucking play around it. Yeah. So when he's making that run, he's going towards the line. He needs to have a player around him because that's when he should be offloading the ball. And when he's looking around, there's no one there. And he's like, oh, I've caught with Deborah the ball again. No, that's on you, mate. Make a fucking play. Call it out. Do something. He never fucking talks. It irritates me so much because he's destroying what skill he has. He's making himself only 20% effective with the skill set he's got because he doesn't talk. It's yeah. so fucking irritating. I think that that's when, and, you know, to win premierships, it's not all touchy-feely, you know. I mean, the Panthers, I know you look at the, the team and you're like, oh, they all grew up together and stuff. If they were shit, no one would give a shit, <laughs> you know. That's right. It's only because they're good that it's something. Yeah. You know, it can't be all touchy feely. You know, he's he's a local junior and all this sort of stuff. And I think that when you think back at like a James Tedesco, who was also a local junior, it, none of the touchy feely stuff really matters when he's Australian fullback and he's won a premiership and all this sort of stuff. He's a New South Wales captain, things like that. You know, at some point you got to just be ruthless with these things. And um, you know, Luke Brooks. He's been given chance after chance, and it, I would allow it to be somebody else's problem now. I would be ship, shopping him around. I would go to the Titans and say, "Look, I know you need a halfback." I'd go. Ricky Stewart would be just the perfect. Like I feel like you could sell Luke Brooks to Ricky Stewart so fucking easily, you know, and get someone back that's pretty good too. Ricky Stewart has just lost uh, Josh Hodgson for the season. So they're down a hooker. They've lost uh, Fogarty for most of the season. So they're down their first choice halfback. You could palm off Luke Brooks to them. And like and, and Jacob Little. Yeah, you probably could too. Yeah, yeah. And look, what are you going to do? Miss I'd, a final shot? Like that ain't on the cards. I would, what, I would dump both to... of those. I'd dump both of those guys and get Sam Williams. And... I'm not saying Sam Williams is great. I'm saying he's better than Luke Brooks because he knows how to organise an attack. Yep. He's a goal kicker too, so, you know, there's a bit of a bonus. But, you know, that's – I don't want much out of my halfback. When you look at the Tigers' side, they've got plenty of attacking flair in different positions across the field. In the forwards out wide, through the middle, Yutu Kamano, he's fucking powerhouse, that, that kid. Luciano um, Lua. Yeah. He, like, he's playing great in a fucked team still. Yeah. Yeah, are you Dane Laurie at the back? You know, Hastings at 5'8". There's attacking options around there everywhere. You don't need to worry about 
getting a halfback who's an out-and-out out bloody playmaker. You don't need an Andrew Johns or a Jonathan Thurston. You just need someone who will call plays, run plays, and has a decent enough kicking and passing game. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's all they need. And Sam Williams does that. You know, most halfbacks do that. There's an upgrade right there. Um, but they won't. They won't. They won't. They'll, you know, they'll commit to him and they won't it's... sign anyone in the off season. It'll be great. I mean, like they're, they're getting a Coruscant next year, aren't they? Who, I mean, how old's Coruscant going to be? I don't know why they signed him. I, I you know, Coruscant's played pretty good to start the year, but, you know. How good is he going to go there with a, with a directionless forward pack? Because the halfback doesn't know how to run anything, and the, well, the halfback's just throwing the ball out the out the backs all the time. The forwards don't really get to do anything. And what's the like? What's the, the other thing I think of is if you look at where the West Tigers are now, adding Coruscant's not going to tip them over the top, you know. No, and the thing again, it's not addressing the defensive issues. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So. You know, a club where the West Tigers really are now, they should be looking at younger players. They should be looking at building something for the future, which they have never done once. Never, ever, ever done. It just, it feels like such an overwhelming lost cause. And I don't know, I don't know how Mark McGuire addresses it. It must be soul destroying for a coach to look at this situation and say, I don't really have any great juniors coming through. Like if they should, you know, they've got this. What have they got? CMB's junior base in Sydney. It'd be close. So, yeah. They probably do have plenty of young juniors coming through. I mean, their, their New South Wales Cup side was, they've been one of the best sides in the comp there for a few years from memory. Um, well, the start of last year, I remember they were doing quite well. They were actually, people were actually joking about how they should be playing the NRL <laughs> and the West Tigers should be in, in New South Wales Cup <laughs> because the, the Magpies in lower grades or. West Tigers, I can't remember which one it is now. Um, they were doing so much better. Um, so yeah, it's the, it's a joke of a club, and it's it's not doing anything to change that. And as I said, they need a wooden spoon if if there's any chance whatsoever. And I'm not saying it'll happen, but if there's any chance whatsoever that we get proper change at the top end mm-hmm. above the coach, that might be the only way it happens. Yeah. Um, you know. You know what they say, though, Freaky? It's a new era. Well, yeah. My, my fucking ass it is. <laughs> you know that the funny thing was I, when I was going to um, tweet about the West Tigers, and I, I didn't know if they had a hashtag they use this year. I don't believe they do. So I, think, I think it's new era, isn't it? Oh, it might have been. It might have been. They're not using it. <laughs> no, I can't stand why. But... um. I went to their Twitter feed and it was very quiet. Now I don't follow a huge amount of clubs. I follow the Panthers and the Panthers are super active in, in uh, social media and all that. They're, I don't, they've got to be one of the best teams. I can't imagine a team doing above and beyond what the Panthers are. And the Panthers are doing what every team should be doing. Like there's, you know, it just should be what they all do. Um, but I went to the West Tigers one and I was like, holy shit, the game's on and they've only got a couple of tweets in the last, like, two days. It's fucking weird. Yeah, and that's largely because every time they tweet now after a loss, they get so much hate from fans. Yeah. They just go, you know what? We're not going to say anything. 
you look at the few tweets they make on game day. Oh, you know, oh, we're, we're down ten nil, whatever it is at half time, and just look at the shit that they get, they cop on there. Well, you know, I the Panthers tweet like lower grade scores, like that. So say they play on Thursday or Friday, Panthers will tweet out the score updates from their lower grades over the weekend. And that's in between the videos they post and all this sort of stuff. They posted a really nice video last week of uh, Kikau playing his 100th game for the club and they brought some of his family members over from Fiji uh, without telling him and, and things like that. They brought his brother over and stuff like that and it was nice to see. Uh, and, and so I was kind of shocked when I went to the West Tigers one and it was like I think there was – you know, two or three tweets on game day, one of them being the half-time score. And then that was like two days ago and stuff. And I was like, what's going on? Like, shouldn't there be dozens of posts today? I was kind of shocked. But at least they're balancing the books. <laughs> yeah, that's I suppose that's what matters, isn't it? They're not good on the field. There's no engagement with the fan base. They don't have one central stadium they play out of. They're called Wests and they're based in the east of Sydney. At least the books are balanced. Yeah, they are. They're good financially. Hmm. Hmm. Anyways, <laughs> that hasn't been a purge because you know, it's just it's just frustration still. So you know, um, it just might be just be a weekly thing. <laughs> It might be. Hey, I, look, I, after watching them against the Knights, and I was fucking angry watching them. I was really angry. Oh, yeah, the, the West Tigers are the NRL 360 of NRL clubs. You just rage watch them. <laughs> you do. You do. E- ever since, uh, what's his yeah. name, fucking Crocker is not in the Canberra side, I can't rage watch someone and be like, oh, this, fucking, this is fucking ridiculous. But I can always watch the West Tigers this year and just be like, wow, this is fucked. This is absolutely fucked. You just look at simple plays and how they break down and go, what the fuck was that? Yeah. I, I was I, I was, doing it. I was watching and I'm like, Jack Hastings is having to play around the halfback. Who's <laughs> earning more than pretty much anyone in the team. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, it's... It's um. It would be soul crushing if we had souls left. Yeah, yeah, that's true. If there was any like, you know, when hope dies, sometimes it's a good thing, and it's good that hope has been dead at West Tigers for West Tigers fans for like half a decade at least. Oh yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we we crushed that shit ages ago. Yeah, yeah, that it's probably a good thing. It's probably yeah, a it good thing. Gives people optimism. You can't have that. It's fucking horrible. What were some uh, of the things you liked seeing this weekend in the footy? Um, you know what? There was a there was a play by the Sharks at the very end of the game, which won them the match. And usually, when I've seen similar sort of plays run by the Sharks in moments where they need to win a game, and Moylan's involved in the final play, he fucks it up. Yeah. And this time they they changed it around. So what they were doing, I th- I'm going off the fa- hazy memory here. I think it might have been uh, two plays beforehand. They did this thing out of the right-hand side through uh, Moylan first, then Hines, where they would have a trailing runner, who was usually the playmaker, standing just inside the ball receiver. And so they would hit the trailing runner every time, so it went to the playmaker. 
So you had the decoy runner was the leading runner. He'd, he'd go through the line, mm. and the defence got used to the the trailing runner being the playmaker coming behind and sweeping out and running the play towards the wing. Mm. And they they lured the the defence into thinking that was what was going to happen. When Moylan got the ball on the left hand side, the second time that they that he got to run this play, and the third time it happened in a row, he instinctively knew that he had to hit the lead runner, and he hit him with a perfect ball. And I don't think too much was ever said about this, but when you have a look at it in the back, you'll see Nico Hines is standing as the trailing runner, and the leading runner, I forgot his name, might have been Wilton, I think it was, was standing there. And so it was all set up for Hines to get the ball out on the left-hand side and sweep around, and that's the way it looked. And that's the way the defence was getting ready for it, because they came up and started to slide towards the, the left touch line. Mm-hmm. And Wilton got that. He went on that. He got that crash ball, leading ball in front. And it was just exactly how it was supposed to be done. They they lured the the defense into thinking it was going to go at the back to Hines, gave it to Wilton. He just crashed through and scored. And I went, "That's how you run a fucking play." And it's mm-hmm. about time, Moyle, and you fucking realise that that's how it works. And you pulled it off perfectly. And he's I'm going to say it. He's had two good games in a row. Sharks yeah. fans don't like him. Um, no one really does. But credit where it's due, he's played two decent games in a row. Um, and I think he seems to complement Hines reasonably well. Hines knows when to use him and how to use him, and that's a handy thing. Because yeah. more often than not, the Sharks, when they've had him, they've gone, right, you're now the playmaker, Matt. Mm. And he's like, well, okay, I'll just go and do some fancy shit and see what happens, and none of it works. But yeah. now he's in the back seat, and Hines uses him when Hines wants to, and it works so much better. It's interesting watching Hines play because I feel like he's experimenting with his game and the game in general and what he he's, he's pushing to see what he can actually do in a game. And it's a it's not the sort of development you normally see from a half. And no. it's really interesting to see. And it's coming off of the back of him playing a really a really different role for the Melbourne Storm. Um you know, he's almost playing – it's like he's playing half fullback, half half back. Yeah. And it's this weird kind of game, and it's kind of working out. It's it's really interesting to see. So I, I like watching that. I, I tell you what, I liked on the weekend seeing some of Jason Taumalolo started doing some Taumalolo shit. Yeah, he did. Like, he's starting to – like he's about two or three weeks away from just fucking some team up. Yeah, he, he looks like he's finally getting back to some good form again. Yeah, he was uh he the first week he looked like he was carrying a bit, he needed a run. This week he looked like he needed half a run. But there were just things he was doing, like getting to the line and putting on a bit of footwork. Uh the other thing was like carrying four or five defenders with him. And he's he's yeah, he's getting there, which was really cool to see. And I just like the fact that they put it to the Raiders as well. Um, interesting for the Raiders. I, I think, I, I think that they almost need to go back to the drawing board. But we've said that a few times about them, and I feel like they might be a team that might need that rock bottom to do that. Unfortunately, but then again, they've also had the guy that they thought was going to start at hooker. He's gone for the season, and their halfback. Like it all is different if Fogarty's there, I believe. So, it, you know. Yeah. It's a bit it's a bit rough for them. Um, the Knights should have scored fifty against the West Tigers, but I think that that's 
part of their development as a team as well. I yeah, think. you can. I think you can see this year the Knights are focused more on trying to be better defensively, which is the smart yeah. thing for them to be doing. Yeah, they they um, miss. They're lacking a little bit of that attacking flair. Like they're still they're not a really good attacking side, but they're trying hard this year, and it's so great to see that turnaround because last year they were fucking terrible at times. Mm. Um, seeing the Broncos beat the Bulldogs. And and just the way that they're in the contest again, I tell you what, Kevin Walters he took over a team that was broke, like a club that was broken, and a club where you and me were saying, I don't think he's the right guy for the job. He's too emotionally invested in it. This is the dream job for him, and if this doesn't work, he will not get another job after this. And God damn it, he took that broken team with that broken defense. And what he's done with it is so damn special already. Especially like, in such a short period of time. Oh. And the, the amount of broken that they were. Um, so broken. Immensely brain stuff. And he's so with, with less of a side than the previous guy had broken to. Like, can yeah. you imagine what Walters would be doing with that team? Yeah. Fucking hell, they'd be good. But so to see that, it's like... But it, it honestly, it makes me emotional to think of what he's done with that team. It's incredible. And see him on the sideline watching the game with Alan Langer as the trainer, and they're both, like, studying the game stoically as this young team that they've got going, that they've kind of made of bits and pieces, and there's, you know, youngsters in there, guys coming back from injury, guys that they've stuck with, and Adam Reynolds is back out there now for them, and... It, it, there was something really special about that for me. So I really like that. Um, the other thing we need to talk about probably is the fucking Eels, who all of the fucking talk coming into this year about uh, – I've never heard a team talk about a trial game more than the Eels did about that Panthers game. I don't know. The Tigers talked up their game against Manly last year in the trials pretty well. <laughs> that's true. That's that true. got them through the first half of the season, that trial performance. <laughs> Um, but I tell you yeah. what, Parramatta is, we, I'm pretty sure we've said it a few times already, their attack can be pedestrian. Yeah. And the the one key player for the Sharks that will never get credit for it because he does the dirty work, Dale Finnegan has really locked down that middle section for the Sharks' defense because that's what he did at the Storm. That's just what he does. He's a defensive fucking genius, that bloke. And... Because Parramatta, let's be honest, they're flat-track bullies. Yeah. When they can't get through the middle, they're kind of a bit lost. And what you usually get is, um, sorry, Mitch Moses will kick to a corner. Mm -hmm. And because Munatalo is on one wing and he's like 19 foot fucking tall, you're not really going to out-jump him anyway. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of left with Katara on the other side, and he's reasonably good under the high ball anyway. Mm Yeah. the only time that the Eels' defense, uh, the Eels' attack looks threatening is when Mitch Moses does, does some weird fucking freaky shit that he he picked up at the West Tigers. I'm going to say freaky shit. I'm not saying it's stuff that works all the time. More often than not, it's a fuck up. Um, yeah, it's like, um, it's, it's like, what's he doing at chipping over the top in his own half? Oh, shit, he got it back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. It's shit that you had to do. 
at the West Tigers in order to try and spark something to happen because he just had nothing else. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that that chip and chase try was a perfect example. Of that. It was a very good, very very good piece of work. Only Moses could pull shit off like that. Um, but yeah, the rest of their attack, very very average, very average. And I think that. I think there's a lot of believing their own bullshit in that side. Mm. And like a a lot of the stuff I've heard out of the eels. And I think like you guys haven't fucking done anything yet. What are you talking about? Let's be honest. That scoreline really flatters them because the Sharks scored four tries to two. Yeah. It was goal kicking that kept Parramatta in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Sharks genuinely were the better team for well over the majority of that game. Um, Sharks attack is pretty handy too. They're, they're really using the different size bodies they've got in the forward pack really well. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do like the, what they're doing there. Hines is dynamic. And you know what the thing is about him? Mm. He's clutch. Yeah, he is a bit, eh? He's really clutch. So you saw there, he missed his first three shots at goal, but when it really fucking mattered, when the game was on the line, nailed it. Yeah, and like when they when they're stuck and they really need something to happen, he tends to make stuff happen. Yeah, well, he goes looking for the ball too. He wants yeah. to be that person. Yeah, that's, that's your that's, clutch player. Yeah, and that's the thing. And really, in his situation, he has no right to be doing that. No. <laughs> Like, this is a guy that is starting his first proper season as an NRL halfback who play, who come in as a replacement for the Storm's fullback last year and then would come off the bench and all sorts of weird shit for the Storm. They have him playing weird, you know, they, they've got some weird situations with their team. They can do that sort of stuff. And yet here he is, as you say, he's like, give me the ball. You know, I'll make it happen. It's It's really... Weird to see. I'm I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, oh, they're they're very interesting to watch at the moment. Um, because they're playing a type of football that we haven't really seen them do much of. Mm. Uh, I can't wait to see that side with that attack with Wade Graham in form on one edge. Yeah, that's be- just going to add another another dimension to the attack, so to speak. Interesting to see how that opens up. I think that. Could also unleash Barbara Kennedy too, because he's Ooh, yeah. like when he's on, he's he's so damn good. Like he he can tear you apart. Absolutely. Um, the other question is, the Panthers really had a game of it against the Dragons on on the weekend, and we saw them belt the Seagulls in the first game. But then you look at the Seagulls against the Roosters, and they were really bad. Like they weren't good at all. Um. I know they're missing Cleary, and they've got a bunch of players out there. I think they're missing Fisher-Harris to O is out for the next game when they take on the Knights. So that Knights game is going to be a real test for them. Um, I th- they're playing at a Penrith Footy Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Um, it, did that? Did the Seagulls flatter the Panthers in that first game, do you think? Do you think that they're not quite the runaway, like, after that first game, everyone was like, holy shit, the Panthers, look at this. I worry that they're not that yet. I'm I'm not sure. That, that Manly 
performance was a bit uh, lopsided because Manly won the second half 12-4 in that game. Mm. I think we all get sort of bogged down in how dire they were in the first half, but they dominated the Roosters in the second half. So it was generally, I mean, as is the going phrase at the moment, it was a game of two halves. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know, Manly's quite a bit off the pace for, you know, their own pace, I should say. Mm-hmm. But they're not, I don't think they're that atrocious. Um, so I don't think Manly flattered Penrith too bad, too much last week. Oh, in round one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think Penrith are probably a little bit flatter last week than what they were against Manly. I think they might have taken a bit too much confidence from the game against Manly, if, if there's a way of putting it. Yeah, I um, get that. Because essentially, if, we, if we're being honest, that freakish try by kick out is probably the thing that won the game for Penrith in the end. Yeah, well, look, and and that, they had so many decisions go against uh, the Dragons had so many decisions go against them. Now, you know, there was a couple of like uh, at one point in that the Panthers Dragons game, O'Sullivan runs to the line, passes it at the last split second, and gets hit in a tackle. And a legal said, tackle, too, let's be honest. Yeah, completely legal. And the the guy gets sent to the bin for, you know, hitting a playmaker after he, he when he didn't have the ball. like ludicrous. Absolutely, absolute. You know, and, and I blew up on Twitter. I was like, you can't fucking run at the lo- – you can't run at an NRL defensive line, flick ball the pass at the last second and not expect to be blasted. Like – Everyone's trying to blast you. What do you expect? And it, the problem is you get someone commentating like Andrew Johns who's like, we've got to protect the playmakers. It's like, well, that doesn't mean that the playmaker can't be tackled. And I tell you what, there are a couple of instances during the weekend where I saw uh, one instance, I can't even remember what game it was from, but uh, it might have been Adam Reynolds kicked the ball and he was hitting a, a legal tackle when it, he'd kicked the ball. And they said that he was tackled in the air. And so it was a dangerous play. And it's like the the player literally tackled him as he was kicking the ball. He wrapped his arms around him. It was a, I thought it was a completely legal tackle, but because he was in the air, because he'd kicked the ball, they said it was illegal. I, I think that we're, we've got a lot of decisions that feel like the officials and, and the referees just call what they're told to. I think the, the game. Yeah, look, I think the the kicking one is purely because as you're kicking the ball, there's nothing you can do to defend yourself if you're going to get tackled. And I think that's the only reason why that rule's there. Um, also because there was um, a few players who would go after the knees of the kicker. But this like absolute get, dog act. I, I get not tackling their legs, at their legs, right? Yeah. I completely understand that. But if a guy's kicking the ball and you getting him up around his chest... Just wrapping your arms down like a little cuddle. Yeah, like, like that, should, that should be completely fucking... What's wrong with that? I see nothing wrong with that. That's Yeah. Um, i tell you another one I saw. I think it might have been last weekend. There was a player kicking the ball, and uh, one of the defensive players come in at an angle and threw himself across the front of him to try and charge down the ball. Yep. And that was called attacking the legs. Yes. 
rather than a charge down, and that was penalised. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was a bad call as well. Yes, it is. There's there's rules in place which are common sense, like the one I just mentioned about you know looking after a kicker because he can't defend himself. And there's nothing he can do about it when he's trying to kick a ball and his arms are in the air and he's got one foot to land on and someone's trying to tackle that around the knee. Yeah. That's fair enough. Um, this talk of we've got to protect the playmaker in the line, when like when O'Sullivan got hit, I don't like it because what if it's, for argument's sake, Billy Army kick out mm-hmm. doing exactly the same thing? Mm-hmm. Because he's not known as a playmaker, does that mean it's a legal hit? Because he's bigger and not likely to fall over like a little half wheel, does that mean it's legal? The answer is no, because the hit itself wasn't illegal. It's a stupid decision and a stupid rule. And I think the one thing we might see out of this is, you know, we've got that uh, HIA official that's now in the bunker. Yeah. If the NRL is smart, if a player decides to stay down to milk a penalty after something like that, that guy needs to say, you automatically come off the field. 15 well, minutes off the field, we do a HIA assessment, whether you've got a knock or not. Try and stop that milking going on there, and it might actually try and reduce the number of penalties that are incorrectly given in that situation. There was a player that did, and once again, I forget the game. <laughs> I should write this stuff down. <laughs> the player that stayed down after a hit, and he did have to come from the field, and it was pretty clear it, like, he didn't. He didn't have a concussion. He was allowed to come back. But it was pretty clear that he had stayed down for a different penalty. And the he'd been taken off because the bunker said he needs to have a head, head assessment. Mm. Um, and that it's interesting to bring that up because I thought the exact same thing. I thought if, if this shit continues, they're going to say, get the fuck to your feet as soon as you can. Now, it's not good if a player has been hit in the head. But I think that that's obviously where the people in the bunkie should be really coming in and fixing that part of it up. But yeah. I, I think it will stop that milking of penalties where you see players stay down. I tell you another another situation I saw on the weekend, and it was in the West Tigers game. Often Gowie um, copped a stray boot and it cut his head open, and he stayed down up the field. Now the trainer for the West Tigers was waving for the game to be stopped and play continued and the West Tigers were defending their line against the the uh, Newcastle Knights. And it reminded me of, remember that in that uh, documentary where fucking uh, <laughs> Maguire was going off his head saying, tell him to stop the game, tell him to stop the game. And I could yes. just imagine he's probably saying the same thing because coaches are fucking cunts like that, you know. Well, if there's a rule to exploit, they will exploit it. Yes, very true. And uh, But the referee didn't. He let it go on because that player was out of the play. He had a trainer with him. He was being looked after. And if he did have a head injury, he was going to be taken off the field, you know. And I thought that was a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think we've got everything out of the way. We? Do we have any emails? We do have a couple of emails. Do you want me to read them out for you? May as well. Let's do it. All right, let me let me uh, fire up the old email machine. My uh, my computer is not recognizing my isn't uh, it? No, no, my fingerprint. The last oh, few, and I well, think it's because I am using so much resin at the moment, and I think I'm probably giving myself cancer in the fingers. 
That's okay. You got ten of them. You can lose a few. <laughs> Backups. Exactly. Let's Bears. let's see. You know they they now use toes as uh, finger replacements anyway. Plastic surgeons. So I, essentially, you've got twenty of them. I tell you what, I've got a wide ass uh, big toe. You wouldn't want to use my big toe as a as a. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, <say> anything. <laughs> well, I guess it depends what you're into. Anyway, so our first one, our first message is from Mike. He says uh, the subject is Canberra Raiders 2022 draw. He says, G'day, boys. First time caller, long time listener. I was looking at Canberra Raiders draw for 2022 and noticed a quirk in the draw where Canberra only play two games in Sydney. Is this some sort of record? All of these potentially could have been played in Sydney, and he says they could have played the round four game against the Seagulls at home, but instead it's in Mudgee. The round 10 game against the Sharks is in Brisbane for Magic Round. The round 11 game for the Rabbitohs, which is their home game, is actually in Dubbo. The round 16 game for the Dragons, which is their home game, is actually in Wollongong. And he says the only two games the Raiders play in Sydney are the Panthers at Bluebet Stadium in round seven, and the West Tigers at Leichhardt in round 25. <laughs> now, the correct answer for travelling Raiders fans is to attend both games in Sydney. But if you could only recommend one Sydney game for a Raiders fan to attend, which would it be? Round 25. <laughs> well, have, he says. Have you not seen the Raiders run a form against the West Tigers? I know it's probably not as great now, but, geez, a few years ago, it was... It was an easy 50 points for the Raiders. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was like, they scored like 60 a couple of times, didn't they? It was fucked. I'm going to, just going to quickly see if I can find that. Because it was, it was ridiculous. Because he says here, it's a choice between the cricket score at Blue Bet Stadium or splinters in the arse at Leichhardt. (laughs) They're lovely splinters if you end up putting a, a cricket score on them. So from 2014, they've played... A fair few times, but only lost twice to the Tigers. Raiders have had, they won 27-12, 30-22, and 18-20 loss. Then won 60-6, 52-10, 46-6, Then lost 20-22. Then won 28-0, 20-12, 14-6, 30-12. <laughs> yeah, they smack them. They really do. He says, um, love your work, boys, MJ. I'm wondering, actually, when the last time Canberra played at Leichhardt, because I don't think they've been there for a while. I'm going to say four years ago. Yeah, it was 2016 when they won 52-10. Jesus, that's a very long time. The last time the West Tigers beat Canberra at Leichhardt was in 2010. Wow. Speaking of the Raiders and venues, Mm -hmm. I went to Seafit Oval, Queanbeyan, recently. Seafit Oval? Yeah, that was the first home ground that the, uh, the Raiders played at. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, and the Balmain Tigers played there several times and never lost there. Oh, really? Yeah, so um, maybe the Tigers should make that their new home ground. West Tigers. Why the fuck not? I guess they're west of something. There's got to be something between them and the coast. I don't know what. It's a good-looking ground, too. Oh, really? Yeah, like it's not a huge stadium thing, but, you know, as far as the suburban ground goes, looks better than many of the uh, suburban grounds in, in Sydney. It was weird seeing, seeing that uh, we chatted about this in DMs a little bit. You know, the Sharks shut down their stadium for, what, two years or something? Yeah. And, uh, come back and it fucking looks the exact same. I thought there'd be something different. 
scaffolding um, everywhere. Yeah, it's like it, I understand they've got lots of other shit going on in there. Yeah, there's a ton of developments going on around it, and I, like, don't quote me on, but I've got a feeling that they've got to change the entrance to the leagues club because I think you used to go to the entrance to the league club via the car park, but the car park's now going to have a fucking tower of units or resident or retail shit or something like that in it. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming they're changing the entrance to the Leeds club, which might be why that scaffolding was on the school on the big screen side. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll, I'll look into it, see if I can find out what's actually going on. But yeah, there's, I think it's got something to do with the development as to why there's been little actual improvements going on at the ground. Either that or they're, they're stripping back parts of it in order to do the proper upgrades and stuff like that. Maybe something like that, though. I believe that the the precinct the uh, uh, precinct is going to have uh, a Clint's Crazy Bargains in it. There's going to oh, be a Franklin. Yeah, a Franklin's as well. well uh, Franklin's are big in the Shire. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be a, a, a Connor clothing store. It's a given. You've got to have a YD. A YD? Store. Yeah. What's the other one there? Tarakash could have one of those as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Just in and case you've got to go to court. Then like a dollar store, like just with random shit, you know, like you yes. pick up a, a little hand fan that's got Japanese writing on it and a, I don't know, a, a fish on the front, stuff yeah. like that. One, Yeah, one of those hats that's got the fan on it that you, you wear, you know. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Things takes like an AA, AA size battery and it stops working after the battery goes flat. Yeah, it's it's uh so it's going to be pretty high market stuff for that area. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, Reject shop as well. Definitely. Well, got to that's a given. I mean that that's the marquee venue. Give them an entire floor. Yeah, yeah, that would do. Um, so yeah, what what uh did we talk about? Um, what you thought of Canberra's? Main stadium, Bruce Stadium. I actually quite like Bruce Stadium. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind it. Can I just say something? On I'm here? sure you will. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, look, it's a podcast, yeah, and you provide 50% of the content, so. Look, I, I just want to say it's all well and good for the Chief Minister, Andrew Barr, down in ACT, to jump on the bandwagon any time the Raiders are going well. But at some fucking point, would it be all right for him to build them a new stadium somewhere better than Bruce Stadium? Like, build it on the main strip. I know that he has had no problems okaying upgrades to that white elephant cricket stadium that they also say gets used by the Western Sydney AFL club for a couple of games a year. On Manuka Oval, is it? Yeah, Manuka Oval, across the the ship side of the lake. Yeah, it's in the CBD region. But uh, honestly... The Canberra Raiders need a new stadium. Their stadium is a fucking relic, okay? There are so many places around that have brand new, beautiful stadiums, and the people of the ACT deserve a brand new stadium, and your Canberra Raiders deserve a brand new stadium. So, Andrew Barr, stop fucking around and give them the funding for a brand new stadium. I know you'll say there's other things that need money in the ACT, but let me tell you, you drive far enough through the ACT and you'll see these twisted parts of fucking scaffolding on the side of the road that they've paid for that is supposedly art or some giant fucking, like, owl that actually looks like a big dick. If you can pay for that sort of stuff, you can pay for a new stadium, Andrew. So get it done. Hang on, have you, have you not seen the most 
um, expensive piece of artwork there is in uh, in Canberra, and that is the Blue Poles. Oh, where where's that at? It's at I think it's at the um, National Museum. It, it's not in the art gallery, is it? No, no, no. It's not. It's not the. It's not the splattered painting on the wall. No, it's actually. It's literally. Uh, I think it's seven poles painted yeah. blue, and just put into the ground sure at is. random angles. And I think they spent several one point four million on it. Look, I, I, I've just me. random blue poles. One of them's actually got a chip in the blue, so it's not even blue poles anymore. It's mostly blue poles. Ooh, the chip is a feature. A or a fuck up. As I said, you can drive around long enough and you see these fucking weird things on the road and you're like, something's falling off the back of a truck and then you realize, oh, no, they fucking commissioned that shit. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, yeah, if you're there long enough, you'll see some newspaper article that's like, Canberra's unique bus shelters. And it's like, what the fuck are they talking about? Yeah. Oh, is that what that bin was? Yeah. It's like... <laughs> there was a skip bin. There you go. It's a bus shelter. Well, there you go. It's upside down. I thought it was a public toilet that the front had fallen off of. <laughs> Looked like something from Lockhart Oval. Yeah, they need a new stadium. They can have a beautiful new stadium. If Canberra thinks it's an actual city in this country, it needs a brand new rectangular, not oval, rectangular stadium for the Canberra Raiders, the longest-running national team they've had in the ACT. It's not. It's not good enough to turn up when they make the finals and buy all your green stuff and your brand-new jerseys and your beanie. You know, put some money into a new stadium for the ACT's top-ranked professional team. It's about time they got a new stadium. See, I got... I don't have too much of an issue with the venue, but I hate where it's located. It's in a weird place. It's in a bit of a in-between. It's fucked. Yeah, an in-between, out-of-the-way place. It should be on the main drag. I can't remember... What the name of the main drag is? Uh, is it North something? That uh, probably is. But Fucking, let me look it up. If you like, have, well, as we encountered, one accident on any of those major arterial roads that are out in that general direction of Bruce Stadium mm-hmm. or GIO Stadium, everything fucking locks down. Just you can't get through. But I, I tell you what, though. And why isn't there bloody at least a train that goes out there? But you were staying over in, uh, can I say? That nah, doesn't matter. We're, we're, we're staying in, in the city. It's like, it's, it should be a 20 minute drive. Okay. It's Northbourne. I tell you what, the stadium should be on Northbourne Avenue. I don't know what you, you'd fucking get rid of. There'd be, there's plenty of stuff you can get rid of in Canberra though. Hey, like, let, let, let's be, uh, let's be surveyors. What can we wipe out? Let's try and find something there. So um, let's uh, hang on. So we so Murray's coaches. No, you kind of need Murray's coaches. Yeah, Murray's a good bloke. Yeah. I mean, there's some green area there. You can fucking use that part. Executive compartments. Let's see. What's that been green area there? Been a park. It's been a while since I've been down there because you know, fucking, who wants to get a fucking camera? <laughs> um, Alan Ray Oval, we can just make that rectangular, can't we? Probably could. I would just, I would imagine if they had a beautiful brand new stadium. You're driving down Northbourne Avenue and you see this beautiful new stadium. 
you know, you get Raiders over it. You're like, oh, that's where the the team that represents the nation's capital plays. It'd be beautiful. And even better if it was enclosed. So you could have big events, big concerts there. It doesn't matter if it's winter or whatever. And everyone's just happy. Everyone's inside the stadium. They're nice and warm and shit like that. Yeah, because that, that is a problem when you get there in the middle of winter and you've got one of those um, twilight games. Yeah. And this, you, know, you can count to 10 from when the sun goes behind the stadium and the temperature goes from 20 degrees to minus 37. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... um. It's pretty quick. Yeah, it, ha- it happens fast. And, like, you usually turn to a solid block of ice before you get to seven. Yes. You know yeah. you know the best place for a stadium? You go right to the end of Northbourne, go to City Hill. Imagine if there was a stadium right fucking there and a smack bang in the middle of Canberra. In the, in the middle of that roundabout? Yeah. There's an idea. It'd be fucking amazing. What's even there? Just artwork? Uh, you could fit a stadium on there, surely. City Hill? I I think it's just fucking grass. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just grass. I don't know if they... Yeah, it's just grass. What they could do is yeah. wipe out some of those buildings and stuff there, just make the whole roundabout where the like, London circuit is. So you've got plenty of room to put a massive stadium there. You don't need those other buildings or shit there. Here's what we do, right? We get, like, fucking 27 backhoes. You fucking drive them right through the middle of Canberra. We just clear out everything. If you don't know what's there, you're not going to miss it. <laughs> you know? The, the war memorial's off to the side. It's fine. Yeah, Old Parliament House, it's the other side. New Parliament House behind that. You just fucking wipe everything out this side. Have Northbourne just go straight to the stadium. The, I think they've got trams there now. I don't know. Who cares? But it would just be fucking brilliant. Well, if you if you wiped out that, uh, I forgot that is it Vernon Circle? I can't remember the the inner circle of, of City yeah, Hill. Vernon, yeah. Um, if you wipe that one out and wipe, I know London Circuit's the next one. You wipe that one out. You got that big. I don't even know. That, I don't even know if there's another one outside that. Who gives a shit? The less roundabouts in Canberra, the better. <laughs> you wipe that section out. You can put a whole stadium in there as well as a massive car park all around it. Don't need fucking trams. Oh, it'd be amazing. Although, you know, there's a, there's a couple of roads that come off of when you go north, on Northbourne, towards Vernon Circuit, and there's a couple of roads that come off of it just before you get to Vernon Circuit that are like circles. I love going it around those roads. Oh, so much fun. Um, but, yeah, let's just wipe out the centre of Canberra. There's nothing there worthwhile keeping. Well, there you go. We've solved both the roads' venue issues and Canberra's roundabouts. Look, here's the thing, right? If you can, if you can spend money on a bunch of shipping containers and say that it's something, okay. If you can spend money on like what's that fucking giant organ thing? What's that fucking organ thing called? Organ the, thing. There's there's this fucking giant thing. Let me find it. Let me find it. The Carillion. Oh right. Yeah yeah. Yeah yeah. If you can. The, who the fuck knows what that thing is? It's a big concrete block, and it's supposed to make noise, okay? It doesn't make noise very often. You're going to spend money on that. You can spend money on a stadium. I'm sorry. So, Andrew Barr, fucking stop bullshitting around and give the Canberra Raiders the stadium, the rectangular stadium 
that the city of Canberra deserves. I, I agree. We should we should start a start a hashtag, um, you know, something like Bar Up Canberra. <laughs> Bar Up. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! It's got to be something catchy, something people will get behind or in front what? of. Uh, um, do you, you sense a hard edit? Let's move on. <laughs> what if we just bulldoze Black Mountain and have the stadium on top of that? Oh, then you won't have any mobile reception in Canberra. <laughs> sells you down. Have you ever have you been there lately? Do you, did you used to go there when you were a kid for uh, excursions? Yeah, went there went there in fuck I can't remember what you nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, and it was like there, there was some shit going on there, right? I think the top part rotated slowly. Yeah, I think it did. And it's I, got a restaurant I, up there from memory. Yeah. Now I went there a number of years ago. Now mm-hmm. the biggest takeaway was that it smelled like. All the carpet shops you've ever been in, there is now nothing there. Oh. It's just a facility. All right. Yeah. That's disappointing. Not really. Well, it kind of fits in with Canberra. <laughs> Glad <laughs> I didn't go there. Fits in with the rest of the fucking place. Anyway. <laughs> Tourist information. <laughs> Not, what's the nicest part of Canberra, Andrew? The War Museum. What's the second nicest part? Uh, the highway. Highway leaving, yep. <laughs> well, it's been a good episode. It goes to my ass. My ass, yeah, when you see my ass. <laughs> it yeah. has been a good episode. Yeah, yeah. We've covered a fair bit. We have. I don't know what we're going to call this. Um, yeah. We'll sort that out. Yeah, we always come up with some creative... Hopefully right. it's a fucking creative title because if you listen for this long and it's a bog standard title, maybe we should call it bog standard title, huh? <laughs> Insert title here. Insert title. <laughs> oh, that should work. So uh, if somebody was going to track you down on the interwebs, where would they find you? Uh, well, easiest place to go to find me and the podcast is to go to uh, Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And you can go to at uh, Fergo Freak Pod on both of those. You'll catch all of us there. You, me, everybody else involved with the podcast, except for the interns. Fuck them. And yeah, fuck them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're all there. You and me are all there. Um, mm-hmm. You also find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, MySpace. Is there anything else? That's it. Um, so go to all of those. Subscribe, like everything that we do there, because let's be honest, you should, and everything's likable. Mm-hmm. It's just what we are. Likeable rogues. Yeah. Um, we've also got a website, Freaky. Give us a bit of a chat about the website. How's it going? The, the website, the title of the website is com, And on this website, you can find links to every single podcast we've had. You can see links to every history podcast we've done, to every single guest we've had on the podcast. It's quite informative in regards to what you can really be expecting from our podcast overall. So if you've never listened to our podcast, I suggest you go there first before listening to our podcast. Exactly. And catch up on all the episodes. 100%.
Like right now, how long would it take? Three, that's 800, 800 odd hours. You've got a few weeks. You'll be fine. Yeah. Hey, we, we missed a, an email. Should we do this other email? Yeah, fuck it. Why not? Oh, yeah, it's from Lambretta. Oh, right. Yeah, well, absolutely. That's why I wanted to get to it. Uh, he said his subject is Salford. He said, love the Super League draft episode regarding cities and renaming Salford as Manchester. Salford is the name of a metropolitan borough in the... <laughs> sorry, I fucking woke up again. I'm sorry. Sorry. All right. I heard something about rabbits. Okay, let me see. Metropolitan borough... It's a collection of small towns, none of which is called Salford. A bit like Trafford, except Salford is a city too. It's part of the... Canum, what's that word? Canum, cana, cana, as part of a place which is adjacent to the city of Manchester, west of Irwell. Never heard of Irwell. So if you want to include cities, you can include Salford, and there's no need to call a team by the name belonging to a completely different city. Salford isn't a suburb, it's a city. Keep up the great work. P.S. Salford, uh, sorry. Perth is in Scotland, so there's no need to fly to Australia. That's a good point. Right. I've learnt too much about Salford now. Yeah. I, look, I've heard this thing. Salford's a city in its own right. Okay. Mm. I call bullshit. Can I ask you how much, how many people should be living in a place for it to be called a city? Uh, that's a good point. If Okay, city. I would say you got to have at least a million people, surely. I said 103,000 is not quite enough? No. Nah. Ah, right. Nah. Yeah, South is not a city. Look, I, I walked from Manchester Stadium, which I believe is in Trafford, right? Mm-hmm. I walked from there and ended up in Salford. You can't yeah. walk from one city to another. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that seems a bit... Um... A bit small. That sounds very townish to me. Yeah. And the thing is, like, if you look on a map and you've got a big name and next to, right next to it is a, is a much smaller name, there's another fucking city. It's like saying Parramatta is a city, separate from Sydney. Yeah. 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 It doesn't quite work that way. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll set you on fire if you suggest that. <laughs> I will literally say that. <laughs> I know it's very aggressive. And I'm only joking, if anyone... Well, I like the fact you're very certain about this. Uh, well, it's true. It's mm, true. That's right. I mean, I'm not arguing with you. It's like if somebody said uh, Blacktown is a city in its own right, uh, separate from Sydney. I will beat your fucking head in with a baseball bat. I will leave you lying in a fucking pool of your own slop like Glenn in The Walking Dead, okay? You will not survive if you say that to me. Everything's a joke. I'm just joking, people. Except for the thing where you're right. Yeah, and, and the threat as well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. It's all good. Was, was that all that Lambert had to say? Yeah, that was. That okay. was. Let's hope he's learned his lesson. Listen, listen, Lambert. I'm sorry, brother. Salford is not a fucking city. If Salford was a city, you wouldn't have to tell me it's a fucking city. Well, there we go. Um... Yeah, that's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think we've threatened the right people. We've called for jobs. 
We've told people their careers are over. Told people where to find us on social media. That covers everything. Can I just say that I do have a prediction going back to the West Tiger stuff, and that is that um, James Hooper and or Paul Crawley are going to get wind of a couple of fans having the shits with how the Tigers are performing, mm-hmm. and I dare say it'll probably take them, if not tomorrow, maybe by the end of the week, for yeah. them to start putting out their first either opinion pieces or opinions on Fox where they suggest that it's time for Maguire to go. Yeah. One of those two fucking peanuts to do it because they don't know how to watch the game or understand what goes on. They just know how to yell about getting people sacked because they're dickheads. Yeah. So I, it'll be one of those two. I saw an article that was posted somewhere by Crawley and I, I, I just needed to read the head, read the headline and I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's just fucking stupid. I concur. Yeah. Well. There you go. There's a prediction. Okay. Fearless as it is. We're wrapped with geez, we're giving you everything today. Ready for it. All right, people. Um, make sure you head over to your podcast listening device as well. Give us a five-star rating and a review as well so we can put that on the website and read out on the podcast. That would be fantastic. And, yeah. and look, um, Can I just say, don't take my threats seriously. You know, the last thing I want you to feel is that I'm going to do anything to anybody that listens to this podcast, you know, at all. I want you to feel like you're safe. Except for the burning. Um, yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Palmerbet with the big don't argue. Punters will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same game multi every NRL match at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1 800 858 858.